This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. This is The Other Side of Midnight. It's Frank Morano. And the time is for, at the moment, to have a little bit of fun. To let caution be thrown to the wind, to allow an hour not to be programmed by distinguished talk radio consultants or even meticulously planned over by me, the time is for you to take the reins. That's right. It is time for The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Whatever you have questions about, now is the time. If you have questions about film, television, books, business, radio, the business of radio, cocktails, if you want advice about a a subject, you want to know something about my personal history that you're curious about, you have questions about... Pro wrestling, gambling, Atlantic City, local politics, national politics, restaurants, New York at large, the criminal justice system, aliens, the mob, hypothetical questions, my personal preferences, relationships, baseball, the culture at large, religion, foreign policy, or anything else you can imagine. Now is the time. Now to sweeten the pot, in order to encourage people to be a little out of the box and get a creative question and uh, come up with something that's a little bit different. If you can come up with something that's, um, I don't know, the most creative question that we hear this hour, whatever the subject is, we are going to give you a prize. Now, it's, uh, you know, it's just a WABC Other Side of Midnight T-shirt, but it's kind of cool. There's some cool T-shirts on there. So if you have a, a question and if you have an idea... If it's the most creative question we get for the hour, now's the time. 800-848-9222. Let me begin with Rod in New Jersey. Hello, Rod. Hi, Frank. What is a woman? What is a woman? Uh, a woman, I think, is someone with an X and a Y chromosome. Thank you. 800-848-9222. Pete is in Piscataway. Hello. Hi, Frank. Frank, what is the biggest pot you ever seen one at a casino? The biggest pot? That's a good question. Um, I've seen some big jackpots in my day. I've seen people win, uh, especially when it comes to slots, um, $30,000, dollars $50,000. I'm trying to remember. Um, hmm. Um, I'm going to say it's in the neighborhood of $40,000 or so. That's a lot. Do they have the guys right there to, to uh, IRS tax it out or what? Uh, well, it's a good question. If you, it depends on how you win it. If you win more than $1,200 at a casino, then they give you a 1099. And so you have to claim it, obviously, if it's a 1099. But um, uh, otherwise, I don't know what other folks do. 800-848-9222. Mike is in Ohio. Hello, Mike. Hello, Frank. I enjoy your program very Thank much. You. Do you do you think that Art Bell had any contribution to the death of his first wife? No, no. I, I um, you know, I, I know that um, uh, his first wife was somebody that he was very devoted to, and uh, I don't think that he would. Ha- I don't think that he had any 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 role whatsoever 
in in her first uh in in her death i just um i don't know uh i don't know what happened there but i will say um based on i didn't know art bell i talked to him a couple times but i will say based on the limited conversations that i had i would say that uh, i think that uh, he was as dedicated as can be i don't think there was any any contribution to her passing whatsoever naomi is in queens hello naomi hi frank um I just want to make make an observation. Um, okay. Well, how about a question? Yeah. Okay. Well, all women like attention. All of them, even if they lie about it, they go to be complimented, and uh, which is why they carry around selfies. You know. So right after she was quote unquote insulted, uh, she took a picture of herself. <laughs> right. Who? Yeah, that's what I wanted to who, say. Who's that? Uh, the woman who was on, I forgot her name again. Um, uh, I forgot her name. All right. Well, thank you, Naomi. Was, the, the man was calling her. I like that big booty, big booty. All right. Thank you. 800-848-9222. Chris is in the Catskills. Hello, Chris. Hey, good morning, Frank. Good morning. Uh, keep up the good work. Hey, um, with, with this, uh, uh, your previous, your predecessor on the air brought up about Lee Zeldin's campaign making up an independent line, Independence Party line with the independent petitioning, and that the, it's been challenged in court. Is the legitimacy to the challenge? And if the challenge holds up, do you feel that this kind of ruins a legitimate chance of Mr. Zeldin winning for governor statewide? No, I mean, I don't think Zeldin's going to win no matter what. I mean, I, he could have as many third-party lines as he wants. I think uh, running as a Republican statewide these days is uh, very, very difficult, particularly if you're a pro-Trump conservative, uh, which uh, which Zeldin was uh, while Trump was in office. So I, I don't think um, the whatever happens with this third-party line has any impact whatsoever on uh, what happens with this uh, with this with the election. Unfortunately, you know, uh, and I, I may vote for Zeldin, but unfortunately, I don't think that um, I don't think that whatever minor party line Zeldin has or doesn't have, I don't think that's going to have any impact on the election. This is a heavily Democratic state. Uh, Donald Trump is incredibly unpopular uh, with the general election population. And uh, I think it's going to be very difficult for Zeldin to trans- transcend beyond that. Mike is in St. James. Hello, Mike. Hello, Frank. Frank, in New York State, would a governor have the power to overturn a law of the New York City Council? Well, it depends on the circumstances, right? So it depends um, if uh, if there's, you know, dueling state and city law. And it depends if the state legislature also act. I mean, do you is there a specific law that you have in mind that you're curious about? I was thinking of uh, the congestion parking. Well, that uh, was congestion uh, pricing. Right, that was not done by the city council. Uh, that that is that would would be a state law. So uh, yes, the governor would have the alter the opportunity to uh, disregard whatever happens with this uh, congestion pricing law. So we'll see what happens with that. Jose is in the Bronx. Hello, Jose. Do you think the cop in the Dobbsbury Deli shooting is guilty? Uh, da, 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 da. That's the uh, guy that hates Janine Pirro. Peter in the Bronx. Hello, Peter. Yeah, hey, I have a question about the movie The Warriors. In the opening credits of the movie The Warriors, it shows the subway map, and then it goes back to them on the subway. What, the and movie The Lawyers? The Lawyers? The, 
the Warriors. Oh, the Warriors. Nineteen seventy nine. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. And it, it it goes. It shows the subway map, and and when it gets to the Bronx at the end of the line, it shows them getting off the subway. It's. I'm, I'm sorry. The subway maps ends at Pelham Park, but who? Where does it come from? That the whole that they went to Van Cortland Park because the only mention of Van Cortland is when they say the Van Cortland Rangers. And everybody assumes that the meeting took place in Van Cortland Park. And I actually think the meeting took place in Pelham Park. Yeah, that's a good question. I have no idea. I've seen the film. Uh, I'd like to think I know the subway system pretty well. That's maybe a a question that's uh, better addressed to my friend Curtis Sliwa. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I've seen the film, uh, but when it comes to the specifics of the subway map... That's one that I can't answer. 800-848-9222. Steve is in Harlem. Steve, what's your question? Hi, yes. Um, Every election, I usually hate both choices that I have. So I was wondering, why don't they put to choose none of the above? So uh, the, the question was, Steve, why don't they put an option to put none of the above? Why don't they put it? Yes. Why don't they put the option of none of the above? Well, I think they should. You know, Nevada does. The state of Nevada gives you an option to put uh, none of these choices. I would love a binding none of the above option in all elections. I think that would be great. I mean, I guess the just to, I mean, I agree with that. But just to play devil's advocate, I guess the alternative is they allow you to write in anyone you want. So if you don't like any of the choices, you could write in, you know, uh, Frank Morano, Tucker Carlson, Mickey Mouse. But uh, I, I agree with you. I think they they should provide a binding none of the above option. And if that option wins, there should be a special election in which none of the candidates in the other election were are able to run. Uh, I would love to see that. 800-848-9222. Larry is on Staten Island. Hello, Larry. Hello, Frank. How are you tonight? Great. Thank you. Listen, uh, you talk about the barbecue got me wondering. Um, first of all, I didn't get my invitation, so uh, maybe uh, it got lost in the mail. Must have been. Must have been. Anyway, just just tell, tell me about your barbecue. How many, how many folks do you get, and uh, what do you put on the grill? I think it's about, uh, I think we're looking at about 30, and, you know, it's standard barbecue fare. So I think there's going to be uh, frankfurters, hamburgers, maybe some steak. There'll be some veggie burgers. Um, I'm not sure really what else beyond that. Standard standard barbecue fare. 800-848-9222. John is in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello, John. Hey, hey, Frank. Man, it was a great day today. It rained here in Vegas, and the temperature went down below 100. You're kidding. Wow. <laughs> so listen, here's what I'm calling about. And I emailed you about this. Um, there are numerous news reports that the armed services are having a big problem recruiting people right now. And um, since your listeners and your broadcasters are all conservative, patriotic Americans, could you guys start talking about that and maybe help them out? What, could we talk about the fact that, that- – that what happened? That the armed services needs people to volunteer. They're having yes, a absolutely. real problem absolutely. right now. Uh, uh, spread that around because, uh, you know, one thing I suggested was you get one of those recruiters from over in Tom, uh, Times Square to come on your program and talk about it at some point. I like it. I like it, John. Thank you. Uh, so anybody that wants to serve in the military, now's the time. Uh, there is a shortage of folks. I did see that article that he's talking about, and he's right. 
uh, there are uh, a lot of folks that are needed. Uncle Sam wants you. So if you're eligible to serve, please serve. 800-848-9222. Nick is in Whippany, New Jersey. Hello, Nick. Oh, hi. Uh, Frank, how are you doing there? Good. Yeah, I want to ask uh, just a general question about uh, uh, the early news partner used to have Juliet Huddy. Mm-hmm. Ju- uh, Jet said Juliet, whatever became of her. Uh, well, she's still very active. I mean, she's. Uh, I think she's uh, look, looking at launching a uh, a travel blog. Uh, I had hoped when I was on Long Island a couple of weeks ago to be able to see her. We had a tentative plan to have lunch or, or drinks, but uh, she was tied up dog sitting. But uh, she's still very active. She's uh, f- done some freelancing. She's done some substituting at different radio stations. So she's still out there. I don't think she's... Uh, landed, unless she hasn't told me about it, I don't think she's landed a full-time job in broadcasting yet, but she's uh, she's very active, right? So uh, she's got a lot of things in the pipeline. I She and I are very good friends, and I wish her the absolute best of luck. 800-848-9222. Hindi is in New Jersey. Hello, Hindi. Hi there. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, several weeks ago, one of the papers I subscribed to, they were writing articles about uh, the... Uh, through the collapse of the condo in uh, Florida. Okay. And uh, one of the articles mentioned that some one of the occupants was under surveillance. Now, I remember that you did mention someone, a Jack, John, something, who was occupant of one of the condos. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't remember at the moment. Oh, I thought you would remember his name. I don't. Uh-huh. Okay, I was just curious. That's all. All right, thank you. By the way, earlier in the in the in the hour, I mentioned that a female has an X and a Y chromosome. I misspoke. It's men that have an X and a Y chromosome. Females have two X chromosomes. So I regret the error. There you go. Error corrected. No need to go crazy. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Herman is on Long Beach. Hello, Herman. Hi, hello, good evening. Uh, quick question. How much do you think the English language in the United States will change uh, in the next uh, generation or so due to the fact that we have a lot of influences now, a lot of people coming in? And do you think it will be for the better uh, or you think that we're going to lose a little bit of our culture? I don't know. I, I, I'm not too worried about it, honestly, Herman. The English language always changes. If you look at the way people spoke 100 years ago versus the way they speak now, it does sound and come across on the printed page a lot different. That's just the way that it is. Uh, the uh, They say life belongs to the living, and that's certainly true when it comes to language. So uh, I'm not too worried about it. I, I think that uh, I think things are going to be fine. And if the language adjusts to adapt to the people that come into this country, I think that's fine, too. Tom is in New Jersey. Hello, Tom. Hey, Frank, uh, we haven't spoken in a while. We're both gamblers. I have a question for you. Okay. Um, if I lose a million dollars playing blackjack, and then at the end of the year I win $1,200 playing a slot machine, they're going to give me a W-2 for that. Well, What's 1099. That? Well, uh, yeah, they give you a 1099 for that, but you don't have to pay – uh, taxes on $1,200 of winnings, you still have your million dollars worth of losses to offset your $1,200 worth of winnings. 
Nope. What do you mean? No? I've been fighting this. I've been fighting this for years. Well, uh, I think you may Is need it? a better accountant then, Tom. No, 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 no. I, I understood. But I've been doing this, and to them, it doesn't matter. As long as you have that one payday over 1200 doesn't matter. Well, that's not my experience. You know, in my experience, even if you do have a payday in which they give you a 1099, which they do in uh, Atlantic City, and I assume this is the case in Nevada as well, if you win over $1,200, then um, as long as you have losses to offset that, you don't have to pay taxes on that. So I, I, I think, I, I mean, look, unless my accountant has some sort of a, a shyster or a crook, which I don't think that he is, I think that uh, I think that you're getting very poor advice. Paul in Manhattan. Hello, Paul. Hi, Frank. Uh, just a quick clarification on an earlier caller. Uh, Ramona Bell was Art Bell's third wife, not his first, not his second, his third wife, and he had a total of four wives. Ah, okay. I didn't know that. Uh, it sounds like okay. you're you're more up to date than uh, with Art's wives than I am. Yeah. Now a question. Uh, a few mo- uh, about a month ago on the air, you mentioned uh, that you were taking balance of nature pills while you were on the air. Right. I still do. Uh, can I ask you, like, why do you take them, and what benefits do you feel you get from them? Well, I I really think the the most pronounced benefit that I get is energy, right? I mean, I have uh, crazy hours, and when it comes to maintaining these kind of crazy hours, I'll take whatever edge that I could get. And I really do feel like uh, the sustained energy that I am able to produce on a daily basis, at least part of that is due to balance of nature. Now, is it possible that it's just in my brain? Maybe, maybe. In which case, the placebo effect is just as good as balance of nature. All right, we're going to continue with your questions in a moment. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. videos of all time that's for sure uh, a great song very catchy and if you ever watch this video um this is a wonderfully made video and one of the people that's in it uh he goes by the moniker of uh, this is not my description of him this is what he calls himself and what other people call him he goes by the moniker of the fat jew uh he's in this video and i knew that guy years ago when he was in college, and he was a nobody. Nobody even knew who he was. The guy was a groupie of the public access TV show that I used to do. A total groupie. He compared me, if I remember correctly, 
to a young Seagal. And then, sure enough, the guy goes and becomes, in the era of people becoming social media stars, the biggest star ever. He's such a huge star. The guy, I, the guy probably earns in a in a month what I earn in five years. So um, I'm glad the guy's doing well and he's in this video. But it's just a very, it's very funny the fact that I thought this guy was a little bit of a lunatic, and then here he is now, one of the biggest stars in the world in music videos and big on social media, etc. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let me say hello to Eddie in Nassau County. Hello, Eddie. Yes, good, good morning, Frank. I just want to ask you a quick question. Sure. Do you think that they should change the presidential anthem from Hail to the Chief to uh, The Exorcist's Tubular Bells? <laughs> no, I like Hail to the Chief. I, I think Hail to the Chief is, um, I think it's fine. I, I, I like the music. I like the sound. I, I like the grandeur that it conveys. I think Hail to the Chief is great. Paul is in Astoria. Hello, Paul. Hi, good evening, Frank. Good morning, Frank. How you doing? Great show as always. I Thank love you. the show. I listen to it every night. And who would be your all-time favorite New York Mets baseball player and your all-time favorite New York Mets team? I'm only picking one player. Or, or you can choose multiple players. All right. Well, so so then it becomes very tricky. There are a lot of players that I really love. So. As a Met fan, you have to balance the contributions to the team and the contributions to helping a team win with their ability as a um, as a leader on the field and in the clubhouse and all. Um, if I have to pick one, it might be, if I'm balancing both, it might be John Franco. I love John Franco. Uh, if I'm picking one team... I have to say, I think that the 2000 team with Mike Piazza, I think that was a very likable team and a lovable team. And they made it to the World Series. They made it to the Yankees, uh, you know, the Subway Series. That might be my favorite team, the 2000 New York Mets. I know a lot of folks are going to pick 69. I know a lot of pick uh, folks are going to pick 86. And uh, there's a lot of lovable f- players on both of those teams. I think I might pick the 2000 team as far as individual players goes that is such a good question it might be john franco it might be mike piazza i hate to say that i um there's so many great lovable mets over there. I, i'll say the much easier question is who's my favorite player on the new york mets now that answer is very easy it's pete alonzo uh pete alonzo to me is in the best traditions of all the great New York Mets. I am, as I, I said yesterday, I am really hoping he pulls out a major victory in the home run derby. I'd love to see him win that home run derby for a third time. And remember the first time that he won, and I believe he did this the second time as well, he gave all of his money away to charity uh, that he won in the in the home run derby. So I'm a huge fan of Pete Alonso. I've uh, I've never met Pete Alonzo, never spoken to Pete Alonzo. I don't have Pete Alonzo's autograph the way I do a lot of other New York Mets, but I think he's just the bee's knees as far as I'm concerned. Larry in Beth Page. Hello, Larry. Frank, I asked this question with tongue in cheek. Uh, I don't expect you to name names. Is there anybody on the ABC roster, all the stars, that you secretly don't like? Don't like being around? Don't like conversing with. 
It's a good question. Let me think here. Uh, in terms of the weekday lineup, I like pretty much everybody. The, the one person I don't really know, just because he's not in New York and I don't get to interact with him much, is uh, is James Golden. Uh, so I don't know him uh, in terms of the weekday lineup. But I love Bernie and Sid. Um, they're both good friends. Kilmeade's a great guy. Um, I, I don't know Greg Kelly that well either. I mean, I've met Greg Kelly a bunch, a bunch, but I, I don't know him that well. Curtis, I know very well. Um, obviously, John Katsimatidis, I know well. Levin, I know pretty well. And uh, O'Reilly, I guess, I don't know that well. But he's, um, um, you know, on a personal level, maybe I'll say O'Reilly. O'Reilly can be a little bit of... Um, he can be a little bit standoffish. He can be a little bit of a diva. So maybe on a, on a personal level, not in terms of their their radio ability, uh, maybe I'll say O'Reilly. O'Reilly comes across uh, maybe a little bit distant at times. Uh, and again, I love his show. I think he does a great job. But um, out of all the people that are on during the week, he's the one that comes across maybe, I don't know, I don't want to say aloof, but... A little bit distant as compared to the others. Just because the others are just so friendly. Bernie's a great guy. Sid is a great guy. Deb Valentine is great. Kilmeade is great. And um, I and again, I don't know James Golden. Um, I've ne- I don't think I've ever met him. But uh, James Golden, I've never met. But everybody else is really just pretty super. 800-848-9222. Eddie is in Ocean County. Hello, Eddie. Hi, Frank. Good morning. Uh, I just want to give a uh, shout-out to your call screener. He sounds like he's in a great mood, and he put me in one, too. Oh, my. All right. Good. Well, hopefully he'll yeah. put me in one. <laughs> I want to ask you, you mentioned before that you're not sure if you're going to vote for Lee Zeldin, but you've also said that you despise Kathy Hochul, and you think she's a terrible governor. Well, so- I, I don't think I use the word despise, but uh, she's not somebody that I'm an admirer of. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay, so that being the case, even though you don't think that Zeldin has a chance at winning, he certainly has the best chance of anyone. So why wouldn't you vote for him if he's the only way to possibly maybe get rid of Kathy Hochul? Well, I may end up voting for him precisely for that reason. I'll be honest. I found his behavior during the primaries very juvenile and uh, and quite a bit of a turnoff. I, I thought he came across as a little bit of um, – uh, uh, you know, kind of childish. And I really don't think he came across as having the sophistication necessary to be governor. So if Larry Sharp is on the ballot in the general election, I'm leaning towards voting for Larry Sharp. If uh, if Howie Hawkins is on the ballot in the general election, I may vote for Howie Hawkins. If neither of them are on the ballot, then I'll, I'll vote for Lee Zeldin um, because I'm not voting for Hochul. But uh, I, I'm really not at all impressed with Lee Zeldin at the moment. But if he is, of all the candidates on the ballot, if he's the only one that I could bring myself to vote for, then, yeah, uh, I'll absolutely vote for him. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Dave in western New York. Hello, Dave. Hey, how are you doing, Frankie? Good morning. Great. Thank you. Hey, uh, in uh, going to switch gears here a little bit in the vein of uh, asking a unique question to win a T-shirt because uh, I listen to you a lot. Uh, are you or do you know anyone that is a member of Mensa? So I am certainly not a member of Mensa. You know, there was a time where SAT scores could get you into Mensa. Now that's no longer the case. And the year I took the SATs, it's not a Mensa-eligible uh, score. 
But um, I'm trying to think, do I know anybody that's in Mensa? I do, yes. An old an old professor of mine from college, I believe he's in Mensa. So uh, I don't uh, I don't know, you know, what kind of stuff he gets to do as a member of Mensa. But I, from what I understand, he is a member of Mensa. I am not. Ina is on the west side. Hello, Ina. Hello, Mr. Frank, the best man in radio. In radio. Oh, well, that's awfully sweet of you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, you and your family are so sweet. Um, the, the caller that asked you about um, the your, your the staff in in WABC, you didn't mention your 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 Italian brother Curtis. He got you back. Well, I I did allude to Curtis, but yes, I mean Curtis. Yeah. I, I he certainly is not my least favorite person. I'll say that. Oh, I know, you know, but. But I think he does. He talk a lot, but it doesn't mean what he said. I think he he he, he loves you very much. Oh no, yeah, absolutely. Curtis and I are super tight. Yeah. So uh, Cur- yeah, I Curtis is that. a great guy who does a terrific show. As far as I'm concerned. All right, one, two, three, three open lines. If you want to comment, eight hundred eight four eight nine two. Two two. Tom is in the Bronx. Hello, Tom. Yes. Uh, hi, Frank. I'd like to say this. That uh, that Al Capone, uh, I I finally figured out how Al Capone uh, engineered the uh, St. Valentine's Day massacre in Florida. There was a story that came out 1917. There was a massacre that happened in the school. Seventeen people in the school were killed. Did you? Did you hear that story? Well, I, I'm I'm familiar with the St. Valentine's Day massacre. I can't say well, I'm up on the school. There was one that aspect. happened in 1917 in Florida, and Al Capone got out of jail, another uh, federal jail, and he he went to live in Florida, and somewhere during that time. He heard the story from the locals, probably, about this story that happened in 1917. So it, it gets to me that when he heard the story, he his criminal mind went and said, well, that story of Valentine's Day, I, we can use that in Chicago. So the, the St. Valentine's Massacre, the original one, took place in the school in 1917, somewhere in Florida, so he he took that idea, and he he put it to use in. in All right, Tom. Chicago. I'm, I'm not necessarily clear on what the question is, uh, but uh, if the question is, am I familiar with the school aspect of that story? The answer is no, I'm not. All right, one, two, three. Open lines eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. If you have a question. Uh, We are going to give a prize uh, to the best question for the hour, as determined by Matt Blaze, Alex Barnard, and uh, occasionally Kenneth. He's still new with this, so maybe they give some weight, a little less weight to his evaluation of who comes up with the best question. But whoever comes up with the best question will win a prize, probably a The Other Side of Midnight t-shirt. So we want to encourage out-of-the-box thinking. If you have a question that... uh, uh, you know, I don't know. People are curious about that Spurs conversation. Now's the time. 800-848-9222. We'll continue straight ahead. 
The other side of midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Uh, this is supposed to be a very good summer weekend uh, for a lot of great summer weather. I'm sure a lot of you are going to be heading to the beach. I can't think of a better time to go to the beach than this one. And uh, I am uh, ans- answering your questions on absolutely any subject. Whatever you have questions about, now's the time. 800-848-9222. Stanley is in Astoria. Hello, Stanley. Hi, Frank. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Frank. I was wondering when you were producing or being part of the Curtis and Kuby show, who do you think was the best replacement when Curtis was out? Mark Simone. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. That was a good combination, him and Kuby. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. Mark Simone is one of the most talented talk show hosts that I've ever encountered and certainly one of the most talented talk show hosts that I've ever worked with, uh, you know, and Mark was a blast to hang out with. It it uh, really it bums me out that he doesn't like me, right? I, I miss hanging out with Mark Simone. He's a great guy, but even if uh, even if he doesn't want to socialize with me, I can't take anything away from the guy's talent. The guy is, as far as I'm concerned, a top tier talent. One of the most gifted radio talents I've ever come across. And met in person. It was a real tribute. Uh, it was a real treat, I should say, to get to work with him for so many years and uh, to to get to know him a bit. And uh, for whatever eccentricities he has in his own life, he is, as far as I'm concerned, the bee's knees when it comes to talent. Uh, there is nobody that has a quicker wit than Mark Simone. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Pete is on Staten Island. Hello, Pete. Hey, Frank, how are you? Yeah, I think Bernie is in Mensa. Mensa. Is that yeah, true? Bernie so. McGurk? Bernie McGurk. I oh, I didn't know that. He never mentioned yeah. that to me. But it wouldn't surprise me if he's never mentioned that because Bernie can be kind of humble. So I, I didn't oh, know yeah. that. Oh, yes. And it's going to be Montcalm out in Staten Island. And Uncle Floyd's going to be there. It's either tomorrow night or Saturday. I'm not sure which date, but he will be out in uh, Rosebank at the 
Carmel at the Grotted over there. Really? I'm surprised he didn't mention that to me. Uh, I'll uh, I'll try and uh, I'll reach out to him and see if he is going to be on Staten Island this weekend. I'd love to see him. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to uh, Arnold in Pennsylvania. Hello, Arnold. I think I used to know the answer to this, but who had to have his digitalis ready when he got home? Who had to have his digitalis ready? Right. He used to say it all the time when he was getting, you know, flustered. Oh, uh, well, uh, that the, the only person that would say something like that is Bob Grant, right? Uh, Bob Grant was uh, constantly working himself up in such a frenzy as to be prepared for a heart attack. Bob is the only guy that would say something like that. 800 I got to get out of here. I got to get out. Is there some place to go? Is there some place I can get away from all of this? Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Mike is in New Jersey. Hello, Mike. Hello, Frank. I wanted to ask you three quick questions. Uh, why didn't Bob Grant become a national star on the radio? The second question I have is, how was Imus able to charge so much for advertisement when he was lowly rated? And the third one is, did you think the Grease Man was unfairly treated? Um. All right. Well, so let me try to answer the questions in the manner in which they come. Uh, all right. So Bob was nationally syndicated at a couple of different points in his career. When he went to WOR, that show was nationally syndicated. He was airing in St. Louis and in other places. Now, why didn't he take off the way that uh, a Rush Limbaugh did or a Sean Hannity did? It's such a good question. I, I think because even though he wasn't from this area – I think the sensibilities of Bob's show was just such a New York show. And uh, I think that he was probably um, competing for, you know, slots in different different parts of the country with similar conservative shows. So I, I, I that's my best guess as to why that's the case. Other people have asked me that, including a lot of other talk shows. And the, the, the answer is I really don't know. Bob is immensely talented and uh he's somebody that certainly could have been a success anywhere and and he was successful to some extent uh, around the country he was never as successful in syndication as he was here in uh in America as far as i miss being able to charge the the rates that he was able to charge i have never understood this i got to tell you so when i was Producing Curtis and Kuby. We used to beat Imus in the ratings. And I used to say, you know, why is it that we're beating Imus in the ratings and he gets all these better guests than we do? Why is it that we beat Imus in the ratings and MSNBC is doing a video simulcast of Imus's show? Why is it that we beat Imus in the ratings and yet everyone still talks about Imus? And repeatedly, the answer that I was told, is it's the kind of people that listened to IMAS. It's the folks that um, advertisers wanted to reach. It's Wall Street folks. It's C-suite folks. It's the kind of people that uh, are, you know. Meanwhile, I never bought into that. And Howard Stern has done hours on this, that the myth of the kind of listener that was listening to IMAS was never, ever true. I don't know how he was able to persuade folks that the folks that were listening to him were the quote unquote valuable folks that were listening. Um, I don't know how he pulled that off, but he did. 
the advertising agencies bought it hook, line, and sinker. The agencies believed that the folks that were listening to IMIS were well-to-do and successful professionals, and that uh, even though our show had more listeners, we were not the kind of folks that advertisers wanted to reach. I've never understood it. It makes no sense. As far as the grease man goes, look, uh, when it comes to fair or unfair, that doesn't exist in broadcasting. The only thing that exists is ratings and revenue. And if you're going to do something, in his case, make those kind of racial comments, if you're going to do something that jeopardizes the ratings for the station, I mean, can you blame a station for getting rid of somebody? I can't. You know, they're, they're, we're in this for to make money. So I don't blame the station for getting rid of them. 800-848-9222. One open phone line if you want to, uh, if you want to jump on board. 800-848-9222. John is in New Jersey. Hello, John. Hey, what's up, Frank? It's a pleasure as always. Um, let's say John Casamitidi comes to you and tells you you can only give one person a raise. Who would it be, Avery, Matt, or Alex? Avery, Matt, Matt Blaze, or Matt Meany? Oh, were there two Matts? My bad. Well, I mean, uh, Matt Blaze. Matt Blaze. Um, I would. I think I would go with uh, with Alex on that. Avery is completely undeserving of a, of a raise. He's um, one of the worst telephone talent coordinators I've ever seen. Uh, Matt does his job well. Um, I. Um, I don't get the sense that he's really struggling financially, though. He's he's got a swimming pool. He's uh, he, he's entertaining in laws. He's he's doing okay. Alex is a younger guy. He's just kind of starting out. And um, I don't know. I would go with Alex out of the out of the the three the three choices that you just posed. Um, I mean, blah, but blah, blah, but honestly, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what the I don't know what the three of them make. So as far as I know. All three of them could be making a ton of money, maybe more, maybe more than me. I, when I was at the Talkers Convention, um, the Matt Blaze's former coworker came over literally to John Katsimatidis and me about oh, how he couldn't believe that our station had had wooed Matt Blaze away from whatever channel they were on. So clearly, I don't know. Clearly, I don't think Matt Blaze would have switched unless it was for a lot of money. So. Look, I don't know what everybody's making, but if you gave me the choice out of those three, it would probably it would certainly not be Avery. That's the easy that's the easy choice. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Al is in Yonkers. Hello, Al. Oh, Frank, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I just wanted to say uh, congratulations on on your continued success with the uh, June numbers. Thank you, uh, Rita Crosby. Rita Cosby, you're, you're welcome. Rita Cosby, uh, Dominic Carter, and yourself. It's a real pleasure to listen to all three of you back to back. Well, thanks. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Of course. And I just wanted my question would be: <clears throat> if Lee Zeldin was to win, do you really think he would replace the Man- Manhattan District Attorney? No. Or do you think it's just silly season talk? Uh, no, I, I don't think there's any way uh, that. Um, Lee Zeldin would remove Alvin Bragg. None. None. Uh, I would um, look, you know, Alvin Bragg was elected with 83 percent of the vote. He was also the first black district attorney in Manhattan. So do I think that a governor that doesn't win Manhattan is going to come in 
and say, hey, I know this has never happened before in the history of the state of New York. I know that no Manhattan DA has ever been removed by any governor. And I'm going to come in, and even though I lost Manhattan and you voted 83% for the guy that's there now, I'm going to come in and say, um, the first black district attorney, sorry, I know you guys voted for him overwhelmingly, but he's done. I've decided he's done. No, of course that's not going to happen. There would be literal riots in the street if that were to happen. It's not going to happen. Of course not. I mean, what... The best thing to happen in, uh, to the Republicans in this state is Alvin Bragg, because in Alvin Bragg, they get a punching bag. They get someone they get to beat up on. They get someone they get to rail against. It's never going to happen. Come on. It's, I mean, it's just silly. It's just silly. It's, it will absolutely never happen. 800-848-9222. Wayne is in Brooklyn. Hello, Wayne. How you doing, Frank? Um, my question for you is if you were to be stranded on a desert island for the rest of your life and you could only choose a non-female, who would it be? A non-female what? Uh, a human being to, to, to take out the consideration of any physical intimacy from a heterosexual standpoint. Well, well to, to be my companion on the desert island? Yes, one person that has been in existence since the beginning of time. Oh, 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 so not someone living now. It could be anybody. Anybody. Anybody throughout throughout history, but non-female so that there's no consideration. Right, right, right. Understood, understood. I I get get the non-female part. Let's see. One non-female companion on a desert island for the rest of my life throughout history. See – I'm tempted to pick a historical character that I'm interested in, but how do I know that they're that interesting on a daily basis, right? I mean, you could pick somebody like Douglas Adams or Ric Flair or James Caan, but how do I know that they're that interesting? Hmm. I would probably pick a close friend of mine. I would probably pick either Vinny Ignizio, who's a delight to uh, to be around, or Arthur Idala, one of those two as my desert island pick. Because I know that I would never get bored with either of the two of them. The other one is my friend Mario DeRay, because he has just such a razor-sharp wit. But I feel like DeRay, unlike the other two, he I don't know, after six months, seven months, a year, two years, five years, I feel like I'd kind of get bored. I feel like once I've heard all of his jokes, I could kind of move on. So it would be either Arthur Idala or Vinny Ignizia, one of those two. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Neil is on Staten Island. Hello, Neil. Frank, I got to hand it to you. You set a new standard tonight when you said that you can't get mad at race because he has a poll. Employers all over the country now were thinking, before I give my employee a raise, let me see what kind of material objects they own. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. That was just great, Frank. Yeah, my question is, I was watching Donald Trump at his rally in Anchorage, Alaska, uh, I think it was about a week ago. And he's talking about the different candidates. And all of a sudden he comes out and he says, let me tell you, ranked choice voting is crap. Really? Why would you want- I didn't hear that. Yep. He said, why would you want the person coming in third to be a winner? Now, I, my jaw dropped because my friend Frank Morano, who I love, our leader, the Tooth of the Tooth, uh, is extolling ranked choice voting. So 
now I'm conflicted as an ignoramus. What do I do? Well, what do I uh, think? Well, you know, I, I have no idea, Neil. First of all, I didn't hear President Trump say that. Second of all, I, I, I just because I say something doesn't mean it's right. In fact, just be, when I say something, that's oftentimes an indication that it's incorrect. Third, um, I think most of the people that are opposed to ranked choice voting, and, and I'm, I'm a, a little surprised that Trump said that, but I'm not that surprised. But I think a lot of the people that are opposed to ranked choice voting don't understand it. Now, in the case of Trump, he stands to benefit from not having ranked choice voting, just as he did in 2016. Now, in 2016, you had a situation where a lot of the Republicans did not want Donald Trump. But because all of his opponents stayed in the race, they divided the anti-Trump vote. If they could have voted for Ted Cruz as their first choice, John Kasich as their second choice, he might not have won. So maybe he's banking on the same situation this year. Maybe he assumes the anti-Trump vote is going to be divided between Mike Pence and Mike Pompeo and Chris Christie uh, and Larry Hogan. I don't know if that's the case. That's the only thing I can surmise. Otherwise, I don't know why Trump would be opposed to ranked choice voting. I've never heard him say that uh, before. But again, let me reiterate, just because I say something doesn't mean that it's uh, doesn't mean that it's the right thing at all. 800-848-9222. I got an email here. Ellen writes, what is your best personal quality? Huh. I don't know. And then she adds, do you have patience? Are you hard hard on yourself? Um, I think I do have patience. In terms of my best personal quality, if I were to grade that, I would say maybe, um, I would say maybe curiosity. I do think I'm a genuinely curious person, which leads me to a lot of good places. But uh, other than that, uh, I'm not sure what I would pick. Mark is in Garden City. Hello, Mark. Hey, Frank. Hey. Frank, I wanted to ask you a few minutes ago, uh, you had said that you don't think that if Lee Zeldin won, that he would fire Alvin Bragg. I'm just curious, if um, Andrew Giuliani had gotten the nomination and he won, do you think he would fire uh Alvin Bragg? I think it would be more likely, but honestly, I think it would be very unlikely. Uh, honestly, I don't see any elected governor picking, um, uh, you know, deciding to disregard the will of 83% of the voters. Sorry. Al is in Manhattan. Hello, Al. Hey, fun show, Frank. Uh, can you imagine you be on that island and Curtis shows up? <laughs> That'll be something. I can, actually. 24-7. Uh, listen, uh, if, if you had another parallel life, right, uh, so you can leave two lives at one time, and not trying to do it for your parents or neighbors or friends, i give you a couple of choices. Which would you be, you think, top fireman, criminal, or priest? Well, so my choices are four choices, cop, fireman, criminal, or priest? Yeah. Uh, that's a good, I, I guess I'd pick cop. Yeah? Yeah. That's one for the good guys. Hey, listen, your staff there is excellent. Uh, really, really good. Uh, they all deserve a race. All right? That's the truth. Absolutely. Well, I mean, not necessarily Avery, but everybody else. All right. Um, in just a moment, you're going to get to hear Marlena Shivo and John McDonough. We've assembled two fan favorites, which I am very excited about. You're not going to want to miss this discussion. We're going to cover a whole host of issues. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Until then, in the words of the great Bob Barker, 
Help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. By the way, I, I don't know that we picked a winner last hour for whoever came up with the best question. So uh, my apologies if I'm a couple of minutes late. Uh, Matt Blaze, do do we have a determination? Is there a consensus among you? Yes, even you, though your answer was so incorrect, it was John in New Jersey about who should get a raise. <laughs> there you go. So, well, well, I feel like you're doing pretty well. I, I just well, I, I can't know. use a couple of extra bucks. Well, I don't know. Again, I don't, This is where because I don't know how much anybody makes. I, I can't judge who deserves a raise. I just feel like Alex is struggling. I feel like you're not struggling. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. But, All right. All right, so John in New Jersey, if you want to call back, uh, we will give you a prize, 800-848-9222. Meantime, uh, you are in for a treat. We are going to be joined for this hour by two fan favorites, uh, one of um, my closest and oldest friends, Marlena Shivo. She is a satirist and a veteran media producer uh, and a comedian, somebody who is a regular on this show and uh, is an outspoken critic of all things that she finds lackluster in society. Marlena, good morning. Good morning, Frank. How are you? I'm doing great. You're looking awfully tan. You're having a good summer, I assume. <laughs> yeah, I've been hanging out with uh, Sid Rosenberg. You know, He's been giving me some tips on my color. Good, good, good. I'm glad he's able to give helpful advice to uh, to someone. And someone who is not looking as tan is cab driver, comic, playwright, and radio talk show host, John McDonough. John, how are you? Oh, I glow in the dark. You know what, Frank? I, I was I went to sleep before I came here, and I turned on a certain station up the dial, and I heard a voice, and I, you're turning into Dr. Lieberman. No matter where I'm turning in, there, there's Frank Marano. He's on with this guy. He's on with that guy. Good God. You're uh, taking over the airways well, of New York. You're very kind. Hey, John, the last time you were here, you were talking to us about uh, – the the fact that one of your stories you were going to be performing at the Moth. Um, wh- what happened with that? How did that go? It, it went great. It was at the Music Hall in Williamsburg. And, you know, if you're not familiar with the Moth, it's on every week on NPR. And it's about storytelling. And it is so professional, so technical. They, they give you a director to go over the story. And you change certain words to, to make it sound better. And uh, they invited me back to something called the main stage which is their their main thing for storytelling. So I told a story about being flown out to California for the amazing race and how that ended in disaster, which a lot of things in my life do. So <laughs> it was just another one of them. So I, I was telling the story a couple of minutes ago about um, the movement to ban um, horse-drawn carriages in New York. And this is an area where I feel like I'm in the minority and most of New Yorkers are overwhelmingly in favor of keeping the horse-drawn carriages in Central Park. As a cab driver, where do you come down on this I, question? I totally support them. A lot of them are Irish immigrants from the west of Ireland who grew up on farms. They know how to take care of horses. These horses are treated well. What I find, and, and I do in my play Off the Meter uh, about driving a yellow cab, I do a segment how the horses in Central Park – 
have better benefits than a yellow cab driver. They're in the Teamsters Union, <laughs> and they're represented by the Teamsters. The actual horses, yeah, not well, the... Well, the guy maybe with the reins okay. is uh, re- represented. And how they work less hours, they work in better weather conditions than yellow cab drivers. I mean, it's not... But, but I find the hypocrisy of New York classes, that's the one they run around their video cameras. and The NYPD have a mounted division of 55 horses. Never once do I see them go over to the stables on the west side and filming the cops there. Or when the horses are in Times Square, they're not filming them there. They're not uh, going against them. I mean, when Bratton was the police commissioner, his wife was big against the horses in Central Park. She could have had a little word with the husband and say, you know what, well, let's get rid of the mounted police. You've got 55 horses. Let's send them off to retirement in Pennsylvania. So, I, you know, I just see the hypocrisy because t- today it was coming down Union Turnpike through Forest Park. There's horse stables there that cross over Union Turnpike to get into Forest Park. Mm. So, uh, you know what I mean? This, it's very fashionable. You go to Central Park, you get big news because you're filming it. And, you know, God forbid a horse has a heart attack. I mean, humans are having heart attacks all over New York, and uh, you don't get the publicity. Uh, Marlena, where do yes. you come down on this? I don't know that we've ever spoken about this. Are you uh, are you in favor of keeping the horse-drawn carriages in Central Park, or do you think it's time to... I don't know. Figure something else out. I think it's time to figure something else out. I know it's very quaint, and I know that people like it and tourists like it, but I, I've i never been a fan of um, uh, the carriages because of the cruelty. It, it's cruel. I, they, know, they, they don't belong in the city. I, I completely agree, and and I feel like uh, there, are, there are just way too many instances of these horses ending up hurt in the middle of uh, in the middle of street traffic now and their quality of life in the meantime is terrible even if they don't get injured what well, so the city councilman robert holden from queens democrat yeah, but a very councilman. conservative democrat yeah. is he your councilman yeah, yeah, so yeah. great guy and um he, somebody that uh, i have a lot of respect for he's proposed this legislation to uh, give these drivers preferential treatment for other jobs now if the drivers are taken care of john does that alter your view at all about that's up to them? But I, I still why are we not having the discussion about the mounted police? They're living in stables over in the west side. They're in the middle of Times Square with thousands of people roaming through crowds. If there's a riot in New York, who's out there? The, the mounted patrol is just driving through people, crushing people, trampling over them. But yet we're fixated on the horses in Central Park. You would have more of an argument if you were coming out and saying, listen, I'm going to a demonstration over at the, where the horses for gotcha. the mounted police over gotcha. on the west side. All right. Let me ask you both about this, because this is something that uh, I think everybody in the New York region is going to be dealing with sooner rather than later. That's the issue of congestion pricing. There is a, uh, you know, a push for congestion pricing. The real two questions are, one, when is this going to start? And two, how much is it going to be? Ultimately, it seems like it's a done deal in terms of congestion pricing happening. Mark Levine, the Manhattan borough president, is urging for you know this to be started right away and for it to be uh, you know, a pretty pricey proposition. Uh, Marlena, you drive in from New Jersey. What's your take? Uh, you used to be a Manhattanite, so you can kind of speak to this from both levels. What, what's your take on the idea of congestion pricing? Um, well, I think everything is overpriced. So, I mean, I don't think that it's fair to charge people even more money in general for anything anymore. 
Is that what you're asking me right now? Yeah, well, I, I mean, yeah, I guess it is. Uh, John, where do you come down? I, I hate it. Uh, just another tax for the outer boroughs to come into Manhattan, to go to Times Square. And now they're even doing it by the size of the car. They said you'll be charged more if you have an SUV. So God forbid you live in Queens and Brooklyn and you got a family and you want to bring them into the city. Now it's going to put people off because that's another added expense. Never mind that you can't find parking because of the bike lanes, the bus lanes and everything else. They're going to add that on, and I think it's ridiculous. Well, they already added on if you want to go in a parking garage. The bigger your car, the more you pay. Right, but you can still go to a parking meter if you're down on the Lower East Side and and, and put it there and not be charged extra just because of the size of your car. That's true. So I, I, I just think it's just another added tax for the outer boroughs to come in. Now, the only thing that's coming out of this that might work, because when this was first introduced, they were thinking about putting tolls on the 59th Street Bridge, of course, on the Queens side, never the Manhattan side. But now with the technology, they could take the pictures of the plates. And they were talking about shifting the price of the tolls, say, from the Midtown to the 59th Street, which would shift traffic, say, over to the Williamsburg or the Brooklyn Bridge if they're charging tolls on all the bridges and forcing traffic and, and hopefully diluting it to other bridges because – in the morning, if you're trying to get into Manhattan on a Midtown Tunnel, everybody's getting off Van Dam Street to get to 59th Street to save your 6 or $7. So that might prevent some of that and keep people saying, you know what, I'm going to pay a toll to 59th Street Bridge. I might as well stay on the Midtown Tunnel. By the way, just go back to our previous subject of the horse-drawn carriages. I just got an email here from uh, Bernard Getz and uh, Marlena. He seems to be more in our favor than John's. He said the carriage horses were badly taken care of. You could easily smell them two blocks away. That's not normal for horses. So uh, Bernie Getz is on the same side as us. Well, isn't that a treat? Indeed it is. All right. Um, So now the the big question today, and if people have questions for John McDonough, Marlena Shiva, or me, you're welcome to call in 800-848-9222. The big question today seems to be, when Donald Trump will be announcing his campaign for president, it seems, uh, and this is based on reports of folks in the know in Trump world, it seems like his decision has already been made. But the big trade, the big question mark is when he's going to make a determination about announcing his candidacy. Now, if he wins, he will be among the oldest people ever to serve as president. He won't be the oldest because the oldest person ever to serve as president will have been Joe Biden. So you're going to have a situation in 2024 where it's very likely that you have 82-year-old Joe Biden running against 78-year-old Donald Trump. This has a lot of people wondering, all right, there's a minimum age to be president. It's 35. Is there... Should there be a maximum age to serve in public office? There's a maximum age for judges in New York State and in New Jersey, not on the federal bench, but there's a maximum age for a whole bunch of things, maximum age for a lot of civil servants. Should elected officials have to have a maximum age requirement? Marlena, what do you think? Well, okay, so I think it should just go everybody's different at every age right so uh, some, one 80 year old you can't compare to another 80 year old now right now i think people are questioning it because joe biden it doesn't seem well and he doesn't seem capable even though his doctor has cleared him as being capable and i think that's part of the problem if 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 his doctors are being honest 
Um, I, I think that there needs to be a little bit more transparency about the health of whatever leadership you know, is in, in office, whether it be Donald Trump or Joe Biden. So I think it would be ageist to put a limit on it. Um, I think it just comes down to um, your cognitive abilities in general. Uh, John, what do you think? It, 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 first of all, we should be talking about the health of the political system. These people get into office and they never leave. I, I, I just wrote down some of the ages. Biden, 79. Trump, 76. Pelosi, 82. Schumer, the young guy, 71. Leahy, 82. Feinstein, 89. Sanders, 80. Who could come into the system? When these guys won't leave, they got great pensions. And I think the biggest disgrace that's going on now here on the east side is Jerry Nadler, 75, going against Carolyn Maloney, 76. When are these people going to leave? Why would a young people get involved with well, politics? Well, there is a young person running against the two of them, right? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean but people you know, can, Frank, you're people a political vote. guy. Once you get into office, where's the money going to and, and how they, they're, they're entrenched there? That What are they, what are they like, that 99%? It's almost like the Russian courtroom. I mean, you're you're going to get in. So there should be a limit. they got to get out. There's a limit for pilots on the plane. Frank, if you're in LaGuardia Airport and you saw Joe Biden shuffling towards you and they go, oh, there's your pilot. I'd be Uh, pretty nervous. Let me check. i got to get another flight. I mean, this is ridiculous that Biden could be the leader of the free world. He, he, They have to watch when he sleeps. they got to watch what he eats. He's tripping over wires. He's doing... Phantom handshakes. He's falling I mean, off bikes. Is, yeah, he's. I mean, this is ridiculous. There's got to be a limit. You got to get out. You can't be a fireman. You can't be a cop. Do you want a Joe Biden or running a into a firehouse or a fire or, or trying to arrest somebody at his age? I mean, well, come on. so but I, I guess the question is, uh, should presidents be in the same condition that you need to be to put out a fire? I, I don't know that you should be. No, right? listen, they got to go because no young person now is going to get involved with politics. They say, why bother? That person in my area, I don't care what it is. I mean, now with the council, there is a changeover. But to Marlena's point, right, there, there are some 80-year-olds that are very sharp. And uh, there are some 80-year-olds that are not so sharp. So shouldn't the voters be the ultimate arbiter of that decision rather than some blanket rule? No, no. That guy that's in there, that's 80 years old, he has his campaign contributions come in. He puts the squeeze on them. A young guy coming up, trying to make his way into politics. It's over. He he won't even think about it. So you have no young ideas. All you have to do is look at the hearings when they're doing hearings on technology. These guys wouldn't know the Internet from TikTok to this and that, and yet they're going to be making laws on that. If you had a young person come in that could see the future and see what's going on, you you look at Silicon Valley. Are there 80-year-old guys out there inventing anything? No, it's all young guys just getting out of college, coming up with new ideas. I am so glad you were not in charge of the entertainment industry because I didn't see Cher in concert until she was 73. Right. And I'm I'm glad that there was no age limit on that because— She doesn't affect my life. Absolutely. She doesn't pass bills. I I did preface this by saying entertainment industry. I'm glad you're not in charge of the age of the entertainers because—and I I saw Bette Midler and Hello, Dolly, and she was also in her 70s, and she was amazing. So, All right. But, uh, yeah, no, but I did— but that's to my point. So they are completely with it. Well, I don't know. Cher could maybe not can be considered no, completely. Well, she's good. able. She's but up to the job. She's definitely. Yeah. You you won't see Joe Biden doing half the things she was doing on stage. And I do think it comes down to the person and not necessarily just the number. All right. Let me ask you guys about a guy that is very spry for his age. Maybe very spry. Does he for look good for his age? age? Um, 
<laughs> so you're, you're teasing me. I, I told you that before because you're... you're Frank Coach, you look you're, good for your age. Yeah, but... but like, it was, the last uh, four words of that phrase... I, I was intentionally is... being, you know, teasing, and, and you're giving me a hard time. But um, Elon Musk's father, Errol, 76 years old, and now um, we're learning that he had a... Uh, he sired a child just a few years ago... Uh, when he was in his 70s, and evidently the mother of this child is his stepdaughter. Now, Errol Musk is a wealthy South African engineer, and he um, had this relationship with his stepdaughter, and now apparently they have a three-year-old named Jana. Um, Marlena, let me begin with you. Give me your thoughts on uh, Errol Musk having a child at 76, number one, but in doing it with his stepdaughter, number two. This, this has always grossed me out, and it will always gross It will always gross me out. It reminds me of, like, the, you know, the Anna Nicole Smith thing. It's a little bit different here, I guess. This guy wasn't as old, obviously, but that's so disgusting. A 41-year age difference is so gross to me when it comes to, like, men and women. Well, what's an appropriate age difference? Um, what's the maximum ten... that you're willing to accept? Ooh, um, I would say like, oh my God, I don't know. Any, t- I guess like I'll say 12 years is, is, is probably the maximum because 15 gets gross too. Um, but so I don't know. It just grosses me out. 41 years is excessive, you know, although, I mean, I guess there are exceptions to the rule if they like, if they're like, a, again, if they're a young, you know, I don't know. I mean, Bill Maher is like 65 years old and he's definitely with it. I mean, I guess there's something to be said for his looks. But, um, you know, I could see somebody going for him. Well, how do That's you know a lot younger. Musk is not with it? I mean, it's not that he's not with it, but it's just gross. It's physically, physically grosses me out. That's the, all I'm saying. So the aspect that's gross As a woman. is not that this was his stepdaughter it's that he's well, old. Well, that it was the obvious gross out. I mean, that's just disgusting. I mean, you just that's just really gross. Um, that 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 he was obviously this girl's father figure at some point. That that's disgusting. But also, aside from that, the age difference alone is um is just obnoxious. All right. Um, do you you don't think so? Because when you're 76, if you could bag a 35 year old, you're into it. I don't think the age difference is the gross part about it. I, I, you know, the thing that I have I have trouble with is the stepdaughter part of it. I I don't um, I I have a hard time I have a hard time with that. Even though it's legally a, a certain issue and genealogically a certain issue, I you know the fact that you're Ever you ever have the title father, whether it's father, stepfather, father-in-law, that I find pretty creepy. It is creepy, but yeah, but the age difference doesn't creep you out at no, all. No, I'm okay. No, I'm you're okay so you're into it. Have it, you, John? Let me go. First of all, it's not the age difference. The age, not, oh, the age doesn't no, matter. No, no, no. It's the bank account difference. That's where that's what that's where the big difference is. If he was bagging groceries at Stop and Shop, he's not sawing kids. And there is a way we're looking at this stranger. We look at him as sort of quirky. He's rich, and then we look at Nick Cannon as a lunatic. 
who's going around siring and spreading the seed all throughout the country. So there, there, there is a different way. We look that, that the richer you are, you go, well, you know what? He can afford to take care of the kid no matter what age. I say, oh, come on. You got to be kidding. Me. Well, look, I, I think there's, um, you know, we, we should all maybe think twice about bringing children into this world when we're in, when we're over a certain age. But I don't know. I feel like 76, you're right on the, right on the border. <laughs> Right on the border. Oh, okay. What's what's okay? I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, the, we did a story about um, somebody in their nineties a couple of weeks ago that was fathering a new child. That I thought was irresponsible because oh. you're, you're not going to be around. I'm so glad you drew the line. I did, right? <laughs> but there is a difference, right? And then the line is different depending on the circumstances. But exactly. You know, so we so so Joe Biden is in his late seventies. But that's okay. why, like, I think look, Biden is in a different situation than say Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump. Like you could tell Bernie Sanders is still pretty sharp. You could tell Donald Trump is still pretty sharp. Joe Biden, I don't think you could say that about at the age that he's now. So ultimately, I think that the judges of that, not the siring children, but the holding elective office should be the the voters. They shouldn't be. It shouldn't be this arbitrary rule. It should be up to us. All right. If we're stupid enough to elect somebody that can't speak in a coherent sentence, then that's on us. But, you know, maybe there's an 85-year-old, an 86-year-old. You know, the the mayor of uh, Tinton Falls, New Jersey, for instance, is in his 90s, and they love him out there. He just got elected, just got reelected. He's apparently doing a great job. So if you're able to be sharp until a certain age, why shouldn't the voters or a potential mate be able to choose you, right? <laughs> I don't know. All right, 800-848-9222. We have two fan favorites in studio, Marlena Shivo and John McDonough. Uh, we're, we have a host of issues that we're going to get into throughout the course of the hour. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Daddy Straight issues. <laughs> the Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. And the Four Seasons uh, singing Marlena. Marlena Shivo was in studio. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, Marlena Shivo is a very interesting person. Uh, you can uh, check her out on MarlenaShivo.com or find her on all sorts of social media at Marlena Shivo. She is a veteran media producer, satirist, and social critic. Also joined in studio by uh, John McDonough, a cab driver, comic, playwright, and radio talk show host. Uh, John, what's happening with you uh, playwright-wise? Did I see you were at this uh, Greek cultural center in Astoria recently? Funny you should bring that up. Uh, The Greek cultural center is having me in September, in the last week of September, uh, the 23rd, 24th, and 25th, to do the play. And I had a meeting with the board. The play is off the meter, Off the meter, about my 40 years of driving a cab. And the sound guy is a Greek guy who... 
used to drive a cab and own his medallion. So there's a lot of Greek people used to drive. But we were talking about who I come and I said I was coming on WABC and they said John McCasmatidis and his wife have been to the center oh. and his daughter ha- has been to the center. So I'm, I'm putting out the invitation because uh, John Casmatidis, like Curtis, he doesn't sleep and he listens <laughs> to you. So John and the wife, there's two empty seats they already wrote down if they want to come to Wonderful. see the play so at the end of September. That's in September. If people want to go, can they buy tickets? No, though? not yet. It hasn't went up, but okay. it, it will be going up very All right. shortly. Well, we'll talk before that. Yeah. yeah well, that's yeah. exciting. Uh, that's some play. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm told it's, no, uh, it's quite good. All right. Uh, we're talking with um, Marlena Shivo and John McDonough, 800-848-9222. Let me, let me get your take on this before we get to the calls. A lot of people have been very patiently holding to talk to both of you. Uh, speaking of Elon Musk, and uh, Elon Musk apparently is now finally explaining his infamous poop emoji response to a lengthy discussion of spam bots by Twitter's CEO. And um, apparently Elon Musk had tweeted a poop emoji on May 16th in response to a lengthy thread by the Twitter CEO who defended the company's assertion that fake accounts comprised less than 5% of the overall user pool. So in a new tweet on Thursday, Musk addressed uh, Twitter's citation of the exchange in its lawsuit demanding that Musk follow through on his $44 billion purchase of the company. I guess uh, this was his way of saying that he didn't buy what Twitter was selling. What's your take on this as a legal defense, Marlena? I mean, it's a stretch. I mean, they're trying to show that he has been disparaging the company um, because he sent a poop emoji. Um, I don't know so much that... um, I don't know. I, I'm not a lawyer, but I just feel like it, it, it. It's 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 tough. I feel like that this is going to be like a long battle. But I don't understand. Uh, I don't understand Elon Musk at all right now because I feel like he's been dragging his feet with this entire Twitter thing. And they're saying that the breakup fee would just be a billion dollars. Is that right? Like so he could get out of the forty four billion by just paying a billion. So. If I were him and this is what he's trying to do, if he's trying to back out or if he's trying to, like, strike a deal for, like, I don't know, $10 billion less, like, wouldn't you just pay the billion and walk away? Well, I, I mean, I guess he well, – you'd think so, right? And it's probably less than a billion when you deal with tax liability and everything. But, yeah, that makes makes sense. John, your, your thoughts on the Elon Musk Twitter deal in general and the, this poop emoji specifically? Well, I, the one thing I, I do like, he's, he wants to shake up Twitter. And the one thing that I want, because I can hardly spell right, and you put out that Twitter and you look at it, they want oh. to put in an edit into Twitter. Long overdue. Uh, uh, long overdue, and it can't. But it also, it brings out to me the crazy in Trump. Because, you know, here's Trump going around the country now rubbishing uh, Elon Musk. Why is he involved with this? Because now you know Rosie O'Donnell is about two tweets away from Donald Trump getting involved with mm-hmm. his madness. So that's why I, I like it in this sense, because now we're starting to see Trump, the crazy Trump, coming back out. Because now that he hasn't run in a while, so you forget about his crazy tweets. You woke up every morning and go, oh, what country did he declare war on today? And and the other day, he's he's going, oh, it's BS. I had him on his knees. I'm there like, what? You, you want to run for president, and this is how you're talking about other people? So it, it brings us back to why, thank God, he's not president. All right, 800-848-9222. A lot of people eager to talk with uh, with both of you. Let me say a little Denise on Long Island. Hello, Denise. Yes, hi, Frank. I'd like to 
and to be listed well, along with Marlena, with you and Bernie, that I am definitely against the carriage horses. I was immersed in that years ago. And you want to know something? There's too many, and you can't have enough station time to go over all the documented instances of animal abuse. It is absolutely cruel, okay? And the fact that uh, I think John said, because of that background, gives him an inherent ability of how to take care of these horses is just plain false information or misconception. Where's, where's your anger towards the mounted police of the NYPD? The mounted police, I was very involved with, as a matter of fact. I spoke with them on numerous occasions, and I almost got a horse. And I also uh, wanted to know about, you know, where the sanctuary was and such. They're very well taken care of, okay? And they're not taken out in certain weather. I mean, like the carriage horses, uh, they're supposed to be weather conditions. I believe it was years ago because it was years ago I was immersed like, and it's all political, okay? It's all political. I mean, the weather conditions, not below 19 uh, degrees, not above 91 degrees, but that doesn't factor in the humidity factor, et cetera, et cetera, or the fact that they're walking behind buses and inhaling fumes, et cetera, et cetera, okay? But and as far as the tourism, give me a break. If you think that people are coming to New York for tourism, for carriage horse rides, but we have the best museums, the best theater, the best restaurants, then somebody's got their head in the sand. But I have to tell you, as I said, Frank, the beginning, beginning opening remark I made was I was immersed in this. And there was someone, I don't even remember his name, I wish I did. He was a lawyer who gave his services pro bono. And uh, so many cases went to trial, and everything was just shot down because it's all political. And, and you know, all the arguments to keep the carriage horses, all the, and, and, and I think there's other countries even in Europe and other states that have even banned them. All right, Denise, thank you. So, John, it sounds like you're a real jerk. I don't know what to <laughs> Listen. tell you. I'm, well, being a jerk, I'm probably in the majority uh, of New Yorkers. But, you know, I always think it's a hypocrisy. She goes, oh, the horse carriages, they're out behind buses. The mounted police are in the middle of riots. They're in the middle of Times Square. They're in the middle of pollution on 45th Street, 46th. You ever come out of Broadway? Mm. There's all the horses up on the sidewalk and everything. I mean, come on. You Alex know. is in Brooklyn. Hello, Alex. Yeah, hi, Frank, and hi, people. Um, Frank, before I get to my comment, I actually want to try – asking the two of your guests a question that I asked you about Elon Musk. I think it was at the beginning of this okay. week. Um, I, I don't know the name of your two guests. so John and them. Marlena, but go ahead. John and Marlena, what do you think is Elon Musk's biggest regret of his life, and it's something that was out of his control? <laughs> How would I know? <laughs> I don't know the guy. I know him from page well, six. When I'll tell you the answer, you'll Oh, well, then you should give us the answer because I don't know. The fact, the fact that he wasn't born in the United States because that means that he can't run for president. And that would have been the next major move in his career. Would it have been? I don't know. You I don't, don't think so? I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that he would have run for president, actually. Okay. Not that I'm an Elon Musk historian or even an enthusiast at this point, but no. I mean, he was looking to move to Mars. I mean, I think he's done with this planet. Okay. Uh, all right. So then that wasn't his biggest, the biggest regret of his life. But Maybe it was fathering 10 kids with a bunch of random girls. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, um, I think that 
at any age you should be able to run for president, but I think that every candidate should have to have a, a, a minimum amount of public appearances, unlike Joe Biden, who was hiding in the basement and just had those ads going around for him. All right. Thanks, Alex. Looking for him. All right. Thank you. Uh, anything else either of you want to add to Alex's comment? No? Good. Okay. 800 Apparently, Naomi, we're the two musketeers. <laughs> Na- Naomi in Queens. Hello, Naomi. Hi. How are you? Great. Yes. Um, I had a question. Um, what do they do with all the drugs they confiscate uh, from these uh, people who cross the border who, who are illegally? I heard uh, what millions and millions dollars worth of fentanyl and other drugs. They what use them as stocking stuffers. Right. Well, hopefully somebody's indulging in them. Hopefully well, somebody's listen, they made a movie way. about it. It was called The French Connection. That's where it goes. Disappears from the uh, the station house. Right. Yeah. Either of you want to weigh in on speculating what happens to the drugs that they get? They're gifted. They get the... All right. They get. I hope so. I hate to see them being, you know, just going to waste like that. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Michael is on the Upper East Side. Hello, Michael. Michael. Um, I was curious. A couple of things. Number one. Uh, the uh, what's his name McDonough? Yeah, apparently do people do people accuse him of making hackneyed remarks. That's very funny. I can't believe you Thank waited you. on 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 hold that long. You get it? I'm hackneyed upset. remarks. I'm, I'm you get upset, it because he's man. a hack. He's I, got I don't a hack think lesson. I can go on. Oh boy, that's what I get for taking phone calls. <laughs> Jay in Cincinnati, Ohio. Hello, Jay. Great show, Frank. We used to have the horse carriages here and. You know, everybody's in a hurry, and they, they had a couple of accidents. Uh, inebriated drivers ran into the carriages, so eventually they got rid of they got rid of them. But it was the you know the care. Peter Peter got involved in it, and they made a big issue about it. They're out of their element. The the carriages are in the city. You know, go to the country and take a horse ride. You know. All right. So it sounds like you you're in the camp with Marlena, me, Bernie Getz, that it's time for these horses to. End. Agreed. Okay. Fair enough. Thank you, Jay. I feel the same way about the racetrack, by the way. Yeah. Bob Barker, same. When I had him on this show, he was fired up about these racetracks. And yeah. they, they've apparently made some changes to the horse racing tracks to make them more humane. Uh, but, um, you know, a lot of folks Actually, are... my, my next-door neighbor is a horse trainer. Um, that's what he does. He has, like, a little jockey in front of his garage and everything. And um, at Monmouth Race... Uh, the race... Uh, whatever they call it, raceway. Um, anyway, so I, I actually never go to the racetrack because I, I don't, first of all, I don't even find it enjoyable. I'm not a big gambler and I just think it's strange um, altogether. And I didn't really want my kids going, but we went there. Did I tell you about this, how we went there? You, you told me in advance. I didn't hear about the postmortem. So we have uh, friends in New York or like like acquaintances in New York that actually have a horse and this horse was racing at uh at the racetrack in Monmouth. And um, and then, so they came down. We met them there. The, you know, we agreed to go. And their horse wins. So not only are my kids now at the racetrack, where I really mm-hmm. don't love. Now they're like, come on, come into the winner's circle. Now here we are. We have to, I'm like, I, no, it's okay. You guys go. It's your horse. No, 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 no. Come in. Now they're taking pictures of us next to this horse that won with this jockey. And I'm like, this is like... 
the nth degree of the racetrack world that I don't even want to be a part of. And now I just got sucked into. So um, let me ask you both about this. Uh, you you both have lived in New York for years and you, I'm sure, have seen the changes in New York of mm-hmm. late. New York was ranked the world's the world's second dirtiest city due to rampant rats and foul-smelling piles of trash. This is according to a new poll uh, from Time Out. They came in second to Rome as the filthiest city on the planet, while uh, Glasgow, Scotland, placed third. Um, One, do you agree with this characterization of New York as the second filthiest city on the planet? And what do you think this means for kind of, I don't know, uh, the future of New York's uh, possibilities of a, as a tourism hub. I, I don't even. Well, I don't know about the tourism so much, but if I, I don't, and I also haven't been to every city in the world, but it doesn't shock me that it it would be ranked this way because it is absolutely vile. And it was. I, I mean, I lived here for fifteen years, and. You know, I hated being here in the summer because you could smell the trash and then all the roaches would come out and the and, and they can't get a handle on the rats and it's and it's and it's pretty gross. But um what I do find amazing is that it doesn't affect the real estate here at all. Like the, nothing affects the real mm. estate at all. You, it, you still cannot live here comfortably. Well, and, and the rents are going up and up and up and up. You have a, a limited supply of places to live and a limitless demand. You'll have some, you know, Arab sheik that will spend a million dollars to have a condo that he can live in one weekend a month, right? But um, b- before the real estate comment, your take, John, on well, New York being I so think filthy. The sad part of this is that we're only number two. <laughs> and I think if we give it another couple of months, we can attain number one. I've been to Rome and Glasgow. I really think we can beat them out. But I think this is a conspiracy theory that was put into the papers in order to justify the rescinding of alternate side parking because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're going to blame it all on that. Because of COVID, we couldn't uh, move the cars from one side to the other. And now they brought it back. And that these silly sweepers that are going up and down the street, thank God I live in a neighborhood in Queens where there's no alternate side, although I can't find parking. But if I did find parking, I don't have to move it in the morning. But I I don't see any difference. I go around. I I think it's actually better now because things are in the plastic bags. They used to be the big iron canisters that were outside and the top was open and the rats were getting in. I I, I think it's gotten better. But then again, I'm born and raised here. You get become numb to it. I actually think number two is the perfect ranking, (laughs) just like the poop emoji. We're number one. (laughs) Uh, uh, 800-848-9222. This is a story that I mentioned yesterday, and I want to get both of you to comment on this. A gentleman in Oklahoma, Larry Sanders, no relation to either the uh, the talk show host or the um, brother of Bernie Sanders. This fella is blaming Bigfoot on essentially why he killed his fisherman buddy. Essentially, this fellow is saying that he killed his friend while fishing because he thought that the person that he killed would feed him to Bigfoot. Now, shockingly, the police are saying that this person might have been under the influence of something. Marlena, your your take on this. Do you think Bigfoot could have been responsible here? I don't think that... 
I mean, come on. This is like asking me about Elon Musk's regrets. It's like, um, okay, so um, this guy is not mentally well, um, so we should probably elect him in office. No, but he... Yeah, he thinks that he was going to get killed by Sasquatch and his friend was setting him up. This is this actually reads like the onion or Babylon B. You know, Frank, when you sent me that to talk about it, you know, as soon as I saw the story, I said, well, there's Frank's show on Monday. (laughs) I said, I see his now producers. They're trying to get in contact with the guy or his lawyer. Well, so but see, we we talk about Bigfoot or, you know, other similarly crazy things. As if they're serious subjects worthy of exploration. This is, you know, a, I think, a pretty pathetic attempt to get out of a murder. I mean, I, I see very little to it. It's this. a sequel to Deliverance. Come on. Indeed it is. All right. We're going to continue with your calls in a moment. 800-848-9222. Uh, Marlena Shivo is here. John McDonough is here, by the way. Marlena Shivo may soon be a candidate for a... Uh, Board of Election position near you, Board of uh, board of Education position near you. We'll find out what it was like for her to undergo the process of interviewing to be on the Board of Education. You're not going to want to miss that, believe me. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano with you uh, until um, you know. I don't know another two hours or so, uh, or until we get bored. If you want to comment on anything we're discussing, eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Joined in studio by two of my favorites. John McDonough is here. He is a uh, talk show host. He is a comic. He is a playwright and uh, a cab driver. A very interesting fellow. Uh, also joined by Marlena Shivo. Uh, she is equally interesting, a veteran media producer, a satirist, and a social critic. This story I find uh, pretty frightening. Even though I don't go to a chiropractor regularly, I do crack my neck obsessively. And one of the most frightening things I'd ever heard is Kevin Sorbo, who played Cir- uh, Hercules. He claimed that when a chiropractor cracked his neck, he had a stroke. And uh, now a twenty-one, a 28-year-old woman, healthy woman, Caitlin Jensen, says four arteries became dissected in her neck as a result of her visit to a chiropractor where she had an adjustment to her neck. Now, I... She didn't say it. Well, her family said it, right, right. obviously. <laughs> so I um, found it really frightening when Kevin Sorbo said this, and it caused me to stop cracking my neck for... A couple of months, and then I found other people that gave me, I don't know, encouragement to continue cracking my neck. But I find this really bizarre. Um, Caitlin Jensen's mother, Darlene, told uh, WSB-TV that uh, the doctors who have evaluated her daughter said her injuries were a direct result of the neck manipulation done by her chiropractor. Are you a chiropractor person? Yes. You are. Yeah, because I have so much pain in my lower back and I'm always at the chiropractor. Um, and it, that's always been my fear that, cause it's not 
that they don't know what they're doing, but they could mess up. You know, just could be a case of human error. error. Um, and it, but my back is so bad. The friend of mine has been asking me to try this like MUA method where it's like manipulation under anesthesia. So it, you're like in a twilight state. I haven't done it, but you're in a twilight state, right? So you're you're more loose than you know you won't brace yourself so they can really just manipulate like everything and move it around more and that scared me because i'm like i don't know i mean what if what if they just do too much and then i just like wake up out of this twilight state and in a, in a worse state you know and then this came out i'm not kidding you hours after our conversation oh. <laughs> and the story I, and i just send it to her and i'm just like i can't i, I don't know I, i'm just gonna have to figure out an John, what, what's way. your story you're a chiropractor guy? Uh, no i i've never been to it now i would have to question what is the licensing licensing process to become a chiropractor would you have to work for the mob or something i mean <laughs> I, I i i you'd really have to look into the person's background that that's doing something like this i don't know i it would put me off going when you read a story like that, I mean, do you crack run. your own neck? No, I don't crack it. But now that you're talking about, it, I'm swiveling it around. <laughs> it, it's, it's, uh, it seems all right, but no, I, I don't crack anything. I crack my knuckles. That that's about it. Right. But, well, yeah. so do I. I crack everything: knuckles, right. neck, back. I, I crack obsessively, obsessively. Yeah, yeah, I... And and stories like this, I find uh, <laughs> I find pretty frightening. Uh, hey, um, before we run out of time here. There was a story in the Huffington Post about uh, the sort of things that IT workers have found on company laptops. Now, these are company laptops, not personal laptops. These are things that these are essentially work computers. And evidently, there's everything from secretly snapped foot photographs to love letters to colleagues. Tech workers have found some pretty strange stuff on company computers. Uh Porn, obviously, is right up there. Uh, Marlena, what's your deal? Have you been given a company-issued laptop at different points in your career? And did you put all sorts of illegally downloaded movies, music, and TV on? Never. Um, You know, and I also had company-issued phones. And, you know, I had made the mistake of making personal phone calls on them. Not not that anything was (laughs) – nothing that was racy – or but it's it was out of convenience like i'm you know away on a job or like i'm working and so i have my work phone in my hand and my other phone is somewhere else so i'm texting so everyone had like two phone numbers for me for the longest time and i can't tell you for so long like i've had um like doctors offices and all these other places like calling this like work self it it causes so much mm. stress it's not the same as downloading porn or did you see some of the other stuff that people left well, inside their computer? What did they leave? <laughs> Instead of just the stuff that they found on the like the actual laptop on the hard drive, they were finding stuff in the computer, like in the laptop, like closed into it, like used condoms oh, and boy. like Ugh. yeah, dead dead bugs and urine. Like it was gross. Like it was food. People left sandwiches in their closed laptops. I'm like, who are these disgusting Ugh. people? I bet they live in New York. 
Well, in the filthiest city. Second filthiest city. Second filthiest city. Uh, John, uh, I'm guessing as a cab driver, you haven't had many opportunities to have a company-issued laptop. No, I I, I have a regular one. But this all ties into Hunter Biden, his laptop for health. (laughs) But you know what is ironic? Reading the story that you sent me there, they found everything. They found porn. They found this. They found that. The only thing they couldn't find was your passwords. (laughs) I I, I mean, I wouldn't mind if they say, you know what? We found this passwords to Netflix. Good God, I I would never... would have found it. But that's the only thing they can't even find on Hunter Biden's laptop is his passwords. Uh, Marlena, before we get they out of here. They don't need them. They into everything. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, I mentioned that uh, that you had sought a seat on the Board of Education in your, in your school district. Yeah. And uh, you've been very critical of um, things like masking of students and things of that nature. What made you want to be on the Board of Education? Well, no, the, the thing that really, I had been, I started going to the meetings when I realized no one was going, and you started to realize that people were making decisions in a vacuum, right? And the big thing for me that I talked about on the show was how they did away with the library, and they put in like a gaming center, and so, and it's a K through 12 school, and so... And I would go every month to these meetings and I would bring this up about, or can we have a library? I mean, there's a whole space, you know, left over from this room and zero change was happening. So then someone resigns from the board and multiple people come to me saying, this is your opportunity. You know, this is, this is your moment to jump in and try to do something because what you're doing now isn't obviously doing anything, which I already knew. And so... Um, yeah, I applied, I applied for the position, but because it was an unfinished term and it's an interim spot and then you would have to actually be on the ballot in November, like that's when the public votes. But right now you had to interview with the actual board, the same people I've been in the room with for a year barking at. I see. Well, so I'm sure, I'm sure this goes over really well. So for instance, the board will say to you when your interview begins, all right, you know, before we get started, I just want to let you know that if you don't get this, we appreciate you coming in. No, no, no. Let's, let's, let's start over. This is a reenactment of pretty much how it went. Okay. So, all right. So I'm a board member. Before we get started, I want to just want to let you know that if you don't get this, we appreciate you coming in today. Sure. All right. Thank you again for being our first interview. We needed to get this part of our day out of the way. And just note, if you don't get this, you should still keep coming to the meetings in your spare time. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Let's get started. Marlena, why are you here? Because by law, it's your job to review all the applicants for the vacancy. Anyone else have a question (laughs) for uh, Marlena? Uh, Yeah, I'm just looking around at your resume and uh, you have done a lot of cool things. Which would you say is your favorite? Oh, is the interview over? Is this the part where we're just chatting? (laughs) Okay. Oh, no, no, no. I have a question. Is it true you're a helicopter mom? Uh, Actually, I I identify as a drone. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for clarifying. Even if you don't get this position, you can petition for the November ballot. And thank you once again for your time. No, really. Thank you. So, shockingly, they picked someone else. (laughs) Yeah, shocker. Shocker. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to the Fugazi Tom in the Bronx. Hello, Fugazi Tom. Hey, my man. Okay, I want about the horses. You know, I don't even like cops riding horses because they they're not efficient. You know, it's too crowded down there. They might get hit by a car. They might run over people. So horses to be in Manhattan doing any kind of service, I don't like it. Uh, and as far as Bigfoot, nobody's ever Bigfoot has never been caught. You know, never been caught. 
You know, so that leads me to believe that, you know what I'm saying? They have never caught a Bigfoot. So, so that leads me to believe that he don't exist. Go ahead. Well, it sounds like you think this could be a very tough defense for this guy, this Oklahoma guy that killed his fisherman buddy. Uh, Janet is in Manhattan. Hello, Janet. Oh, hi. I have a solution to the rat problem, or I should say uh, the Cuban the Cuban scientists have a solution to the rat problem, and all we have to do is establish permanent normal trade relations with Cuba, a very simple thing to do. I'm sure you'll agree. And the reason I say that is I heard BBC about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, they reported on some of the scientific advances, and apparently Cuba has quite a number of scientific advances, some related to health, but they also have, at that time, the world's only environmentally safe rat poison. And when they say environmentally safe, I'm not sure exactly what that means. I don't know if that means if you accidentally swallowed a cup of it, it wouldn't kill you. But it means if accidentally you got some on your fingers or your kids did or your pets did, it wouldn't hurt anybody. It only hurts rats. All right, Janet. We're going to have to end it there. Any any reaction, either of you? Well, I just want to know if this um, rat poison that she speaks of by the Cubans would also work for my boat. <laughs> uh, Marlena Shivo, see her online at uh, MarlenaShivo.com. Find John McDonough on all forms of social media at Captivist. Until then, keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Uh, every week around this time, we call out those that need a little calling out. People that have done something evil, something bad, something inconvenient, something that's mildly distasteful, we make sure they know about it and you know about it each week when we do. The Other Side of Midnight presents... I must begin with a denunciation of Jill Epstein, or shall I say Judge Jill Epstein. I'll tell you, the quality quality that it takes to become a judge in this state and this city never ceases to amaze me. And I have a lot of friends that are judges, and most of them are pretty bright. But I'm just dumbfounded at some of the people that end up becoming a judge. So, Jill Epstein, I want to stress this, she's already a judge. She is a civil court judge, and she is running for state Supreme Court, as I understand it. And she sends out a letter to all sorts of prominent Brooklyn Democratic Party officials People who are responsible for overseeing the nomination process. These are literally the only people that she has to impress. The only people. If she wins over these people, the election's over. She doesn't have to worry about winning over the public or anything. So she sends out this letter. And in it, 63-year-old judge Jill Epstein boasts that her 38-plus years of legal experience includes currently working as a civil court judge, she misspells court. She misspells court. 
She says C-O-R-U-T. And past employment as a Prinvapal law clerk. I think she probably meant principal law clerk. Um, This is crazy. So this letter that she sent out has not one typo, not two typos, but according to the people that got this, at least, including uh, Brooklyn Democratic District Leader Douglas Schneider, at least eight typos, and that's being lenient. And Douglas Schneider, and I don't, I don't know anything about Douglas Schneider. I don't know anything about Jill Epstein. She might be the best judge in the world. Somehow, somehow I doubt it, or the worst. But um, Douglas Schneider said exactly what I was thinking. How can I consider you if you can't even proofread your letter to me? And this person is actually a leading candidate. This is nuts. This is nuts. Uh, So, Judge Jill Epstein, I sincerely denounce you. I must also denounce the thief or thieves, thieves, who stole some outdoor furniture from... Tony's Baltimore Grill in Atlantic City. Now, I talk about Atlantic City a great deal. In fact, I I think I talk about Atlantic City more than any talk show host, certainly in New York and the country. But I I think I actually talk about Atlantic City more than any talk show host in Atlantic City. And there's only two acceptable places to get pizza in Atlantic City. One is Tony Bologna's. One is Tony's Baltimore Grill. Tony's Baltimore Grill is kind of an old school Establishments, kind of a, a cool joint. Um, I was hoping to see Alex there last weekend when he was out there, but he chose not to, not to give me a call. So anyway, last weekend they initiated outdoor dining for the first time to provide their longtime and new customers a different type of experience. Again, this is an old school joint. They put out there a patio table, an umbrella, and six chairs. Nice. Great. So what happens? I mean, it's almost the most stereotypical Atlantic City thing that you can imagine. They were stolen. They were stolen. So the, the all the outdoor furniture that Tony's Baltimore Grill put out was stolen. Here you had this, this outdoor dining area, which seats 30 people, and they're all, all the furniture is stolen. So as a way to entice people to help with the search for stolen goods, listen to what they're offering. Tony's Baltimore Grill is offering a free pizza because this is a good spot for pizza. Listen to this. An alcoholic beverage a week for life, for life, and a $1,500 reward. Now, I don't know anything about investigating anything. I don't, wouldn't know where to begin with an investigation like this, but I have begun because I want that pizza and I want that free alcoholic beverage for life a week. I have begun an exhaustive search for these people who stole this. Whoever it was that's responsible for this, I do denounce you, and I'm coming for you. I am assembling a pizza posse, and we're going to track you down We are going to bring you to justice. We are going to return that outdoor furniture to the good people at Tony's Baltimore Grill. 
and we are going to get me a pizza pie and one complimentary alcoholic beverage a week for the rest of my life. See, the way I look at it is it's a good excuse for me to get down to Atlantic City once a week. You know, I'm sorry, honey. I uh, got to gotta get my alcoholic beverage. I must also denounce the Chinese nationalists who are cheering the assassination of former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. I do not know who these ghouls are, but the fact that there are so many Chinese nationalist netizens, people on social media who are very brazen about this, going on and on about how great it is that Shinzo Abe has died is, I think, the most ghoulish thing in the world. And it also uh, shows you the challenges that China has in controlling the domestic nationalism that they've stoked over the years. So to the Chinese Communist Party and their domestic supporters, Abe represented what they saw as an unwelcome resurgence of Japanese nationalism and militarism. And while the Chinese government has distanced themselves from all these people out there celebrating Abe's murder, I think, in some respects, they're reaping what they've sown here. Uh, I want to denounce the shooter or shooters at this Little League baseball game in North Carolina. So there was a horrifying moment on a Little League baseball diamond last weekend when gunshots rang out near the field, sending both children and coaches running for cover. This was a a terrifying scene in uh, North Carolina when South Durham's all-star team played Wilmington's all-star team. And the video shows three gunshots appearing to be very close to the action on the field. Uh, forcing the seven- and eight-year-old players, along with coaches, umpires, parents, and spectators, to hit the ground and sprint away and panic. Um, Thankfully, the police are saying that nobody was hurt in the incident. I I, I don't know. I mean, you think of a Little League game. To me, I think of one of the most innocent things in the world. Something where... Children and parents should both feel safe. And to think that's the place where you could risk getting shot, I find it reprehensible. So if you're someone that opens fire near a Little League game, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the state of Arizona. According to CNBC's annual survey of the top states for business, Arizona is the worst state in the entire country to live. Uh, it's uh, Their annual life, health, and inclusion category factors in crime rates, environmental quality, health care, and for the first time in 2022, they're also considering the availability of child care. They also consider inclusiveness of state laws uh, on a whole bunch of things. And uh, they found that Arizona is the worst state in the entire country to live. So, Arizona, I do denounce you. 
I must also denounce the um, I must also denounce Brian Davy. Brian Davy um, worked for Wells Fargo as a bank manager. I don't know what it is about Wells Fargo. I feel like they, every every year there's a different major scandal which has me pointing at them and saying, "You see, that's why. That's why I would never ever bank at Wells Fargo. It's always something." And so it is with Brian Davy. Brian Davy uh, lived in Washington, and he's only accused of the crime that I'm about to blame him for. But to me, the evidence seems pretty compelling. He stole over a million dollars from customers, mostly the elderly. So he's been charged with bank fraud and aggravated identity theft. So he targeted elderly and vulnerable customers. They've so far identified eight victims. One woman had more than $546,000 stolen from her retirement accounts. This is a guy that worked for Wells Fargo from March of 2014 until he was fired in uh, June of 2019. Davey used his position as a manager at the bank branch to conduct unauthorized transactions, including forging signatures on cashier's checks, withdrawal slips, and other bank documents. Brian Davey, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the family that was living at the Nevada, the the Children's Museum of Northern Nevada. Big shout out to our listeners in Nevada listening on the Nevada Talk Network. But a janitor at the Children's Museum there was apparently resigning in the museum with his family and, wait for it, storing handguns, ammunition, and an AK-47 in the hardware room. This is a museum where children go. And he's storing all sorts of weapons there, including an AK-47. Forget about the fact that he's not supposed to be there. He's squatting in a museum. He's also storing all sorts of guns there. So this man was found stockpiling weapons in the storage room. Uh, Wilbert Calhoun is his name. And um, he's apparently living there with his wife and at least two children. Um, Apparently, on the evening of June 30th, police were dispatched after a neighbor noticed Calhoun's two-year-old son walking alone on a nearby road. So, a police report says that deputies discovered personal belongings, food, dishes, and sleeping bags inside the museum. When asked for the family's home address, another of Calhoun's children said the family lived in the museum, though Calhoun initially denied residing there. Now, I'm sure this family had a hard time, okay? And I, I'm not I'm not making light of it that, you know, it's tough to find a place to live. It's tough for me to be able to afford a place to live. You can't be doing this. You can't be squatting in a museum and keeping an AK-47 there in an area where children reside and not reside, but attend on a regular basis. So, Brian Davey, uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Calhoun, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Keith Gladstone, retired Baltimore police sergeant. He has just been sentenced to 21 months in federal prison for planting a BB gun to help the head of the corrupt gun trace task force 
after he ran over a man. Listen to this. Gladstone has pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to deprive civil rights related to this incident back in 2014. Uh, What happened was this other Baltimore police sergeant, Wayne Jenkins, called Gladstone saying he had run over an arrestee. Oh, my goodness. And um, so Gladstone was eating dinner with Detective Carmine Vignola, no reflection on anybody named Carmine, at Chicken Rico at the time of the call, and he asked Vignola if he had a BB gun. When Vignola said no, the pair called another police officer, Detective Robert Hankard, and stopped by his home to pick up his BB gun. They then drove to the scene, which, make no mistake about it, is now a crime scene. They then drove to the scene where Gladstone planted the BB gun and left. So nearly four years later, Gladstone and Vignola met at a swimming pool to talk about the incident. Gladstone told Vignola he should lie to federal law enforcement officials if he was brought in for questions. See, even Kenneth is laughing, and he doesn't have much of a sense of humor about anything. A year later... In February of 2019, Vignola told a grand jury he was investigating allegations that the gun was planted by an officer. So these guys, one cop made a mistake. And instead of owning up to his mistake, all these cops engaged in a conspiracy to break the law. They engaged in a conspiracy designed to incriminate a dead man. And to me, that's absolutely reprehensible. It's this kind of conduct that gives distinguished public servants a bad name, as far as I'm concerned. I must also denounce, I hate to do this, because I'm a a supporter of law enforcement, especially these days. I must also denounce the New York State Police. That's right. If you're a state trooper listening to this, brace yourself. Brace yourself and raise the volume, because you're about to be denounced. The New York State Police, they are they withheld records of a Buffalo shooting suspect's prior school-related threat. So this Buffalo mass shooting suspect, a year before he opened fire on shoppers at a Topps grocery in May, he was 17. At the time. This was June of um, 2021. Um, He made this threat, which consisted of him saying his post-graduation goal was to commit a murder-suicide. State police responded to a school official who reported the threat at the time. So the school official did the right thing. They, They reported the threat. Troopers then referred this person for a mental health evaluation, and he was later released from the hospital without further interaction with law enforcement. So, evidently, now that this young man faces federal hate crime and murder charges after using an assault-style rifle to shoot 13 people at a Buffalo grocery store, killing 10 black people, there are all sorts of questions about the police response to this threat that he made a year ago. And the reasons that authorities did not pursue a court order at the time, barring him from buying or owning a firearm. 
Why didn't they? I mean, it's easy for me to be a Monday morning quarterback. But call me crazy if you're fantasizing about, after graduation, murdering and killing a bunch of people, and including yourself. Something tells me there should be some record in law enforcement that prevents you from buying a weapon. So the police denied the request for this suspect's record. The state police have declined to discuss these details of their response to the threat that he made a year ago, and this has left the issue shrouded in secrecy. Last week, the state police also declined to release police incident reports connected to the threat by asserting, in part, that disclosing the records would constitute an unwarranted invasion of privacy. What? What? An unwarranted invasion of whose privacy? This mass murderer? I I do not understand what the state police are doing here. And uh, until I get some answers, New York State Police, I do denounce you. And finally, I must denounce the owners of Long Beach Liquor Store in California. (laughs) Three years ago, Carlo Navarro killed a family of three in Long Beach by hitting them with his car after he had illegally purchased whiskey from this liquor store. Now the store owners who sold the alcohol to the underage teenager have been banned for life from holding a liquor license. So Amor Postadas Amashio and her daughter, Synthish Amashio, both of Norwalk. Oh, maybe it's not California. I guess it's maybe it's Connecticut. I don't know. Um, they pled guilty for their roles in the deaths of the Awaida family who were run over by Navarro uh, near Los Cerritos Park in Long Beach. So they sold an underage person booze. Here's what's worse. They knew he was underage. And they made this underage young man, Carlo, pay more for the booze. They made him pay... Um, she didn't check his ID. She knew that he was underage because she had sold to him on other occasions. And instead, she told him to come back the following day with $25 to pay for the $16 bottle. So he got the booze and killed a young family with his SUV after downing several shots of Jack Daniels. This, to me, is absolutely reprehensible. So uh, to Synthich and Amor Amachio, I do denounce you, and uh, my heart goes out to the family that your actions have caused to be dead. 800-848-9222. If you want to comment on anyone I have denounced, now is the time. 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. 
It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. A Matt Blaze selection. Matt Blaze, what are we listening to here? What is this? It's called 777. Okay. Right. Silk Sonic. Silk Sonic. Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. All right. Okay. Um, it's, it's not the best song that I've heard, but it's it's not the worst. I'll say that. 800-848-9222. Hey, uh, some sad news that we got yesterday. The uh, woman who would be first lady, Ivana Trump, passed away at the age of only 73. Uh, Donald Trump's first wife, Ivana, who uh, had, you know, most people knew her just for being Donald Trump's wife. But she was actually a pretty accomplished woman. She uh, was somebody that came here as an immigrant from... um, uh, you know, she was from she was Czech. She came here uh, as a Czech immigrant. She married Donald Trump in 1977, a very successful businesswoman. You know, she was the um, CEO and president of Trump Castle. And then she was the uh, I think the CEO or at least the manager of the, uh, the the plaza, the Trump Plaza. So she did very well in the casino business in Atlantic City for a long time. In fact, some people have speculated that um, she supervised the construction of the Trump Taj Mahal in Atlantic City, which is, I I was just at the Hard Rock in Atlantic City. The Hard Rock was the Trump Taj Mahal. It looks pretty much the same. They've thrown a guitar up there and a new coat of paint, but it's basically, it's the same bones. It's a very well-built casino, and it was Ivana, that uh, that supervised all that. So she was uh, certainly a very uh, interesting woman, a spirited woman, had a lot of energy, uh, certainly a beautiful woman who was very passionate around, about raising her children. So I don't think I ever met Ivana Trump, but uh, I did get to speak with her when she was a guest on the Cats at Night show, excuse me, the Cats Roundtable about four years ago, where she was interviewed by John Katsimatidis. This was a portion of um, John's interview with Ivana Trump, in which John talked to her about why she wrote the book that she came out with four years ago. Why did you write a book? Well, you know, I, 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 was, um, uh, uh, I wanted to always write a book about my life, but I have been asked 15, 20 years ago, and I saw I was too young. I postponed it, but then eventually, during the, my ex-husband uh, campaign, the kids were very, very involved, and uh, they were going for the campaigns, and they were going for the debate, and America became to know them, and people were coming to me on the airports, you know, in the restaurants, on the street, they say, Ivana, you raised three fabulous, fabulous kids, which I did. So I said, okay, I'm going to uh, 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 write a book, Raising Trump, and how did I 
raise my three incredible kids. Now, I've met all three of her children. Uh, They are all very impressive in their own way. And uh, John asked her about the job that she did raising these three children, Ivanka, uh, Donald Jr., and and Eric. Now, when you're raising the kids, uh, you and uh, uh, President Trump were married, what, approximately 15, 16, 17 years? Yes, we were married 16 years, yes. And uh, you were raising the kids. uh, And uh, what happened? Well, what happened that actually... Uh, 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 me and Donna got a divorce when the kids were 6, 8, and 12, and I raised the kids on my own because, uh, you know, I had a total custody of my kids, and I told uh, 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 Donald that there can be only one chef in the kitchen, and it was me, and so I make all the decisions about the schooling, so after-school activities, whatever kids were doing, you know, give them the values of, uh, of whatever, and... Uh, Activity, no activities. I mean, I I raised them on my own because Donald was always busy and making the deals. And and uh, like I said, I would I would tell him where the, which schools the kids were going to and what activities they were doing. But basically, he just whatever I said, he just said it's okay with him. And uh, so I basically raised them on my own. So uh, that that's I, I think a very honest assessment of how she viewed parenting. Um, and look, it's never easy to be get, getting divorced. It's certainly never easy getting divorced when your divorce is so high profile. I, I can't imagine it's easy getting divorced when there's this amount of money at stake. But um, wh- I have to tell you, and I'm embarrassed to say this is one of the first things that I thought of. There was a commercial for Pizza Hut. In 1995. What year is it now? 2022? So it's almost 30 years ago. And this is after they're divorced. You know, Donald Trump was married to another woman. And, you know, at the time, all the rage was Pizza Hut's stuffed crust pizza. And, you know, you remember what a big deal that was at the time? And, by the way, there's a whole story to be written about that. They could do documentaries about why that stuffed crust pizza came about, okay? But, well, that's outside the scope of this discussion. But it was brilliantly marketed. Even as a as a, a younger person, I never really liked Pizza Hut. And so I tried this stuffed crust pizza, and I got to tell you, I enjoyed it. I really did. And so they had all sorts of um, interesting commercials. I think Rush Limbaugh was in one commercial. And one of the commercials they did was about with Donald Trump and Ivana. And in this commercial, the two of them are acting like they're committing infidelity. But in actuality, they're talking about the pizza. This was the commercial. Do you really think this is the right thing for us to be doing, Ivana? What do people think? Let them talk. Donna. Ivana. 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 It's wrong, isn't it? But it feels so right. Then it's a deal? Yes, we eat our pizza the wrong way. Crust first. Introducing stuffed crust pizza from Pizza Hut. With a ring of cheese baked into a totally new, thinner crust, you'll want to eat it the wrong way. Crust first. May I have the last slice? Actually, you're only entitled to half. Large, just $9.99. So I thought that was uh, really interesting. Hey, I don't know if you remember this story uh, that I brought to your attention the other day of this uh, this news anchor. From from upstate New York, who um, 
you know, was disheveled and it looked like she was, uh, it seemed like she was drunk. I, I posted the video of this on my Facebook page. You could watch it. It's still up there at Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Morano fan. And um, people were speculating whether this was a medical issue, whether she was on drugs, whether she was drunk, or whether something else was going on. Uh, and this was a TV anchor by the name of Heather Kovar who, in Albany, New York. She appeared disheveled and confused during this live broadcast. If you didn't hear our previous discussion on this, this is what uh, this is what it sounded like. All right. So, well, hello. Good afternoon. Like I was telling you this morning, if you watched us this morning, starting at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., I told you, you know what, today, what a beautiful day outside. It is just amazing. And so, a great time for outdoor uh, music. The Powers Park Concert Series kicking off this afternoon. It's a celebration of the 250th anniversary of the village of Lansingburg. Now, but they're going to like do this throughout August, but it's just today's a very special event. And I just can't tell you how much I love this Powers Park event. Now, I'm someone that thought something was up there. Right. I, I thought maybe she was drunk or on drugs or whatever, a medical issue. So now Heather Kovar, who was an Emmy winning reporter, by the way, and anchor, she's now offer, offering a, a little bit of an explanation. She said in a statement that she worked a double shift and was sleep deprived and exhausted following her return from family leave and after the death of her father. So she told People magazine that, quote, it has been an exhausting time using my time off to fly to family in between shifts. She continued, I was hoping to create a better situation. I just hope people will understand as I move forward in what is next. So um, I have to tell you, I have totally been I don't know if she's lying or telling the truth. But I, I am totally now turned around on her. Uh, I'm someone that thought she was probably drunk or something, and which is not something that you should do when you're on the air. I am completely turned around. The fact that she played the exhaustion and sleep deprivation card with me, that's all you have to do. As a broadcaster who doesn't get as much sleep as I should or as I'd like to, Whenever I hear someone explain poor behavior with um, I was exhausted or I was sleep deprived, I immediately find that an acceptable excuse. Do you remember when Rick Sanchez got in trouble? This is going back a while now, maybe 14, 15 years. I think he was making kind of like anti-Semitic remarks or something. He was doing all sorts of weird stuff. And basically he said he was tired. I, at the time, didn't give that explanation a lot of credence. Now, now that I'm perpetually sleep deprived, having a child and an off hours radio show, now I accept that as an explanation for everything. So I hope this woman does not lose her job. And uh, I really am. um, I do accept that. As an explanation, because uh, I know what it's like to uh, to be to try to do a show when you are just exhausted and you don't even know what what's going on. So I find her explanation, I don't know if it's honest or not, I find it to be acceptable. One other follow-up, 
uh, the situation in Sri Lanka, which we've been following pretty closely, the president has resigned. Um, the president there, Rajapskia, I think that's how it's pronounced. He has resigned via email after fleeing to Singapore. He tendered his resignation in a letter um, to the parliamentary speaker, and he landed in Singapore, um, and he said that, um, quote, the legality of it, um, well, hang on, I'm not going to read you this whole thing. It's actually kind of a boring resignation letter, but he resigned the email, and so that's that. It's a mess over there. It's a mess. I don't know if it's going to be the parliamentary speaker that takes over temporarily or something going on. But all the people that stormed the presidential palace out there, they're all still partying in his swimming pool. They're all still sleeping in his bed. They're all still having a gay old time out there. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen out there. Hey, the other interesting situation is what's happening in Italy. Have you seen this? Now, I love Italian politics. I am totally against the idea of dual citizenship. I am actually eligible to be an Italian citizen. Forget about the fact that I've never lived in Italy. I've only been to Italy once. I don't speak Italian. I'm eligible because my grandparents were Italian citizens. I'm eligible to be an Italian citizen. But I've always been of the view that, okay, you should pick a country. United States, Italy, Israel, United Kingdom, whatever, Ireland. I think you should pick one country and that should be your country. But I'm always so tempted to get Italian citizenship just so I could participate in Italian politics because it's such a mess over there. I I love it, and I I think it's really interesting. So the prime minister out there, Mario Draghi, has tendered his resignation after the populist coalition, uh, the Five Star Movement, withdrew their support in a confidence vote. Now, I like the Five Star Movement a lot. I, uh, If I were an Italian citizen, I would be part of this five-star movement. In fact, when I was in Italy, I was trying to buy all sorts of five-star movement uh, paraphernalia. There's not that much available. It's funny. When I was there, the, the, the mayor of Rome was a member of the five-star movement, and they all hated her. I mean, it had nothing to do with her being in the five-star movement. She was just doing all sorts of crazy stuff. She did more to damage the credibility of the five-star movement than anything else. But... Um, Draghi, who most people know as being the head, formerly, of the European Central Bank, he's led this unity government for, I don't know, I guess about a year and a half. And in a statement, he said that the pact of trust that had sustained the unity government had gone. However, here's what's interesting. The president in Italy, Sergio Mattarella, has refused to accept his resignation. So now nobody's really sure what's going to happen there. Nobody's sure if he's really resigned because the president has just refused to accept it. It's usually kind of a ceremonial thing. All right, you resign, I accept your resignation. He's refusing to accept it, and so now nobody's really sure if that means he's resigned or not. So it's a very odd situation out there. I So often I think that the better form of government than the one that we have here, single-member district plurality, is a parliamentary system with proportional representation. And whenever I think that, Israel and Italy never cease to prove that I'm wrong because it's stuff like this that is just, it's just crazy.
So we'll see what happens. Um, It's not entirely clear. But in one day, both the president of Sri Lanka and the prime minister of Italy resign. So these are pretty extraordinary developments. Uh, But the five-star leader, Giuseppe Conti, refused to back uh, the Italian government's package of economic aid for families and businesses. He argued that Draghi was not doing enough to tackle the cost-of-living crisis. So we'll see where it goes. You want to comment on uh, this or anything else we've covered thus far, you're welcome to do so. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. By the way, coming up in about uh, 15 minutes, we are going to talk with Ron Albanese. He is a family entertainment personality and just an overall kind of a cool guy. Um, If you want to comment, though, in the meantime, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. The great Elvis Presley. If you ever want to know what kind of music we're playing, just join our Facebook group. Uh, Just search on Facebook, Morano Radio Fans and Haters. That's M-O-R-A-N-O, Radio of Fans and Haters. Hey, um, do you have one of these Ring devices? So Ring is interesting. Look, there are all sorts of sacrifices that you have to make when you're married and in a family, right? I would not have a ring device if it were just up to me. Let me put it that way. But we have one of these ring devices in our, you know, in our home. And the way it works is you ring the bell and it acts as an alarm. You set the alarm and it rings just like any other alarm. But when you ring the bell, there's a camera and you could see who's ringing the bell, whether you're there or not, whether you're home or not. And so if I'm if somebody walks to my front door right now, I will see on my mobile phone who's at the door. It's it's kind of cool, but I, I prefer, you know, like I'm an old school guy. Uh, I like nobody knowing anything. So I found this article. Maybe you disagree, but I found this article very disturbing. Amazon, which owns Ring and everything else, Amazon gave Ring videos, the, the kind of videos that I'm describing. You go to my my front porch and ring the bell. You don't even have to ring the bell. You just have to sit there. There's a video of you. Amazon gave Ring videos to police 
without owner's permission. Excuse me. So this revelation highlights the many ways that police can get footage from ring doorbells and how it often happens without consent. So Amazon handed ring video doorbell footage to police without owner's permission at least 11 times so far this year, this year alone. Now, what happened to getting a warrant? I mean, call me crazy, but I'm somebody that actually thinks the police should have to get a warrant once in a while. But if you're not going to get a warrant, at least get the owner's permission. Amazon just hands this video right over without the owner's permission. This, in my view, highlights the unfettered access that Amazon is giving police to the doorsteps across the country. This uh, revelation came in a letter that Amazon sent to Senator Ed Markey a couple of weeks ago after the senator questioned the video doorbells surveillance practices in June. So Markey, the senator from Massachusetts, released the letter to the public on Wednesday. Ring, which Amazon bought four years ago, has repeatedly said that police can't view recordings unless clips are posted publicly or shared directly with police. Though that doesn't apply to police subpoenas and emergency requests. Okay, a subpoena is a subpoena. A search warrant is a search warrant. While the company's policy has said this information can be shared without a user's consent, this letter that they sent Markey is the very first time the company has confirmed that it has handed over this information. I don't know how you feel about this. I think this is absolutely outrageous. What do you think? 800-848-9222. That's uh, 1-800-848-9222. Now, I find that to be very bad news. However, this is something that might be the best news that I've heard, not only all week, but maybe ever. I am, like, I have a lot of friends... They work out every day. My family, they work out every day. You know, my my siblings, my father, my stepmother, they're running every day. They're doing they're doing their whole thing, and as they do this, I, I'm I'm just thinking, ah, oh, jeez. I mean, what a waste of time. And the meanwhile, they all get knee injuries, knee injuries, or this injury or that injury. It's great to work out, but it's just I, I kind of feel like, all right, enough's enough at some point. So Marlena, who was here before, she's one of these crazy workout people that's working out every day. So I like to work out, but I like to do it once every two weeks, maybe once every three weeks. You, you, you Maybe you stumble your way onto the exercise bike while you're listening to a podcast or a radio show or watching a Star Trek rerun. Maybe you do a few push-ups. Maybe you go for a jog around the block. And then you're good. You're good for a while. That's kind of my philosophy. I'm not into this working out every day. I like you work out, you know, on a Saturday. You go crazy. Maybe you work out on a Saturday night. And you're done. You're done for a while. Well, lo and behold, a new study shows, thank you very much, Frank Morano again on the, on the cutting edge of society. 
working out only on the weekends boosts health just as much as exercising daily. Are you listening, Marlena Shivo? Are you listening, Alexander Moreno? Are you listening, Nicholas Moreno? Are you listening, Claudia Moreno? So um, if you are a weekend warrior who crams all their physical activity into just one or two days, no problem. (laughs) A new study finds this kind of lifestyle boosts health just as much as working out every day. An international team found, uh, international, that means they're from multiple countries. An international team found people who get all their exercise in one or two sessions on the weekend lower their risk of premature death by as much as their peers who spread the exercise throughout the week. So both groups are less likely to succumb to cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, as Wilford Brimley would say, and other disease than couch potatoes. So listen, if you're trying to think of what to do this weekend, go for a little workout on Saturday. Go for a bike ride or a run. Do some jumping jacks on Sunday. And you're good. You're good until next week. No need to worry. You don't have time on Monday. It's okay. Love this study. This study is peer-reviewed from what I understand. It is in the um, Journal of the American Medical Association Internal Medicine. So there. All right. uh, I am informed we have a first-timer. Let me welcome Andy in Hell's Kitchen. Hello, Andy. Keeping me up at night. I work nine to five. I wake up in the middle of the night and I listen to your show and I always like it. Well, thank you. That's awfully nice of you. Tonight you started to talk about the New York class stuff and you know better. You know that the guy behind New York class is a parking magnate that is just trying to buy up the stables in Manhattan to put parking in. You also know that he's the money behind de Blasio. He put the most money behind de Blasio when he was first running for mayor. And I think it's something that you should explore a little bit more and do a segment on. All right. Well, I'm happy to do that, Andy. Uh, Look, uh, I said repeatedly, I realize that I'm in the minority on this issue. I feel like most people want to keep the horses as they are. Um, It's just I I see these uh, stories of these horses uh, getting into traffic accidents. And I I just don't think that city streets are any place for horses. Uh, And you might be right. Everything that you said about um, I guess the group is New York class uh, and their economic motivations. And I don't dispute it. But uh, I just I just hate seeing these horses uh, trying to dodge between trucks and having all these accidents. And when there are these accidents, even if it's once every two years, it just, I don't know, it makes me pretty sad. All right, 800-848-9222. Um, hey, you are in for a treat. Ron Albanese is here. Uh, we're going to chat with him. He is a family and children's entertainer. And an interesting person in general. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, before we move on to Ron Albany's, Joe in Union Beach is calling in. Hello, Joe. Hey, how you doing tonight, Greg? Great, thanks. Hey, I just wanted to give you a little bit of uh, quick advice in uh, with the American Express card. Mm-hmm. So, Don't leave uh, home without uh, it? Well, well, yeah, that too. <laughs> 
It's happened to me multiple times where I've uh, misplaced my cards, and I knew I would come across it again. So I didn't want to go through the trouble of canceling. You know, same situation you're in. If you give them a call and you tell them that uh, you have a damaged card, they'll just send you a new one with the same numbers on it. Oh, I like that. How long does that take to get usually? It's the same thing as normal, four to seven days, like normal. You can ask them to expedite it if you pay a little bit extra. Okay. Well, but does it matter that my card is? I mean, it's almost metal. It's it's kind of hard. This card. I mean, I, the chances of it getting damaged are, are pretty remote. You could say that you bent it, you sat on it, it okay. got bent or something, and it won't scam when uh, you go to use it. I will do so. I will do so, Joe. Thank you. Appreciate the nice words and you uh, one, and the man. advice. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Hey, uh, Ron Albanese is here. We'll talk about something interesting when he's here. Uh, in the meantime, you want to call in, you could do so, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Friday morning, this is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Until next hour, in the words of the great Bob Grant, your influence counts. Make sure you use it. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Well, lo and behold, I just found out seconds ago, my day has taken a totally different turn because we're supposed to have this meeting every week, two hours after the show. And I was looking forward to this meeting because this was going to be our meeting after the ratings come out. Now, I like to find out what the ratings are before the meeting, so I'm not blindsided and they tell you oh, you go into this meeting thinking you're you have a secure job and then you leave and say you know pack up all your things and and grab that cardboard box there so i was looking forward to this meeting because you know our ratings are pretty stellar and so i'm looking forward to this meeting going through all the different demographic groups of how great we're doing and lo and behold seconds ago i find out that there's no meeting today now, um, uh, apparently everybody was aware that there's no meeting today that's in the meeting except for me. So, Matt Blaze, how did you yes. find out there was no meeting? Like I said, our, our program director is not here. He's out today well, and how yesterday. Did you, how did you learn that, let's say? That was in an email. You got an email saying, I'm out today and yesterday. Yes. I'll be out tomorrow and Friday. Well, why didn't I Wednesday. get that email? I, I don't know. You were left out of every email. I, I am. Why am I left out <laughs> you of You were always on an email. island somewhere else. Yeah, right. Like you it's, get no emails. Staten. That's yeah, that's that I'm on. But um, the thing that – so now, I mean, this is great news uh, because, you know, the, now this kind of frees up my morning. But I've kind of planned my day around sticking around here 
And so I was supposed to meet someone at 8 after the meeting. Now, now. You could still meet him at 8. Well, no, but here's the thing now. Now, if I leave right at like 5.30 after I finish doing this business report, I don't have to park my car or anything. True. I'm done. I can go home. Right. Get some sleep. But then I don't want to leave, let down everybody that I'm supposed to meet later in the morning. Just in the crash, city? Just yes. Bernie and Sid show. What did you say, Kenneth? I said just crash Bernie and Sid show. Uh, that's an amateurish suggestion. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, so uh, there is a lot of appeal to just sleeping until my 8 o'clock. Actually, wait a minute. It might be even a 9 o'clock meeting. All right. Well, we got to see about this. I hate to bail because, you know, I, I don't know. This is a person that's been trying to pin me down. For a while, and I said, "All right, well, you know, I'm, I have to stay late this day." And they kind of rearranged their schedule around around meeting me. But now there's no reason for me to stick around. So, so uh, reschedule. I, I don't know. I, I I feel guilty about this. All right, hey, this is exciting. Ron Albanese is here. It's been about a year since I got to see Ron Albanese. He is an interesting guy and an entertaining guy. He is a children's entertainer, an author, a school teacher, and a New Jerseyan at large. Uh, and uh, really just a fascinating, fascinating person with a great attitude. Ron, good morning. Thanks for coming in. Hey, what's up, Frank? Thanks for having me. It's great to see you again. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to be here. And uh, congratulations on uh, no meeting and uh, good Thank luck. Thank you. You know, if you're going to snooze, you got to let us know what happens, though. Now we've made right. uh, hey about this. We have to know, Frank. Yes. So, now, uh, I see now I feel like whatever decision I make is going to be the wrong one. Right. <laughs> if I go home and I screw the person I'm supposed to meet at nine, I feel guilty. If I stick around until nine instead of going home to take care of my seven month old child, uh, I, I feel guilty. So I feel just perpetual. I feel guilty no matter what I do here. Yeah, it's like uh, Murphy's Law versus right. uh, Norman Peel over here. The power <laughs> of positive thinking. So uh, you, sir, have a philosophical uh, issue now. Indeed, I do. If I, only this meeting happened, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But meanwhile, I just spend the whole week hoping the meeting doesn't happen. Meanwhile, had somebody told me yesterday. You wished it out of existence, right, sir. Had somebody told me yesterday, there's no meeting Friday. I, I would none of this would have happened, but nobody told me. Matt Blaze knows, uh, Alex Barnard knows, Kenneth, who's worked here for eight minutes, knows, and and yet nobody thinks. Hey, maybe we should tell Frank. Frank's such a good guy. He always buys pizza. He buys, uh, you know, gluten free pizza when need be, dairy free pizza, right. and yet nobody thinks. Oh, let's let Frank know that maybe he doesn't have to arrange his day and his morning around a particularly inconvenient meeting, but. Uh, so, Ron, your story for people that um, that may not remember you or may not have heard you is you're a teacher, but you also do these shows all over the place that you do, right? Correct. Yeah, I've been a, a school teacher and a, a family entertainer uh, for the exact same time, 23 years as of right now. And, of course, uh, the good news is in another 47 years, I can retire. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I've been doing that. Uh, you know, I, I wrap up my school years. I just uh, wrapped up teaching year number 22, and I've been on a hot streak since then uh, doing shows for the last few weeks from here to the, the Poconos. So what does your show consist of? I do a few different things. I do uh, I DJ 
actually. I get called upon to uh, MC, DJ, uh, hang out, work the room. And for children, I primarily do uh, music and comedy. I do like a variety show. Uh, I do a song, and, and there's like setups and skits before that uh, where everybody has to kind of sing, dance, and clap along. So I kind of uh, have you know conjured up a, a variety show thing in, in, in the grandest tradition. And the comedy is kind of out of the shoes of, um, you know, like anything from John Ritter uh, to Jackie Gleason. I like that. I like that. Uh, do you, uh, how do you feel about comparisons to Uncle Floyd? You know, it's funny. Uh, Uncle Floyd. Big I, listener to the show, by the way. He listens really? all the time. Yeah. Uh, hey, Floyd, how you doing? Come stai bene? Uh, I heard you mention Italy before, by the way. And uh, yes, the politics are better than professional wrestling. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I, I read OG. Uh, well, I struggle to read OG, actually. <laughs> but yeah, back to Uncle Floyd. Uncle Floyd, I used to watch uh, Frank on the UHF there, you know, right, right. tuning it in. Back in the late 70s, and uh, Floyd was a major influence on me, number one. But number two, a more obscure character on the show would be uh, Looney Skip Rooney. Mm. I don't know if you remember. I don't. Now, Looney Skip Rooney, he had a big uh, bow tie, and he had a a big hat on, and he kind of would come on and, and again, do these little uh, comedic interludes. And I believe he went into radio, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. But I used to, oh, I loved Uncle Floyd. And we've seen each other at gigs and stuff since. And at one point, someone took a picture of us, and it appeared in the Italian Tribune. Uh, newspaper and that that was a big moment oh, for fine. me yeah 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 i was psyched now um <clears throat> last time you were here we talked about this uh this book that you were coming out about uh, that uh focused on kiss the rock band kiss one of the most famous rock bands uh, in history yes. uh did that book ultimately come out uh yeah uh are you referring to the hottest band in the world I, I, yes, yeah, yeah, apparently I am, yes. Yeah, uh, actually, I've been a member of the KISS Army since the 70s, and in the 70s, they had this TV movie called KISS Meets the Phantom of the Park, and uh, I decided a while back to write a book about that. Mm-hmm. Let me dig up uh, people that were, not literally, uh, that were involved in the movie, interview them, get it on tape, uh, and put it out. What had happened was I started working on it, and it was hard in the early 2000s to find these people. The uh, Internet's in its infancy. You have to really look. But I eventually uh, interviewed about about 12 people, had the cassettes in my basement, kept walking. Matt, you're a Kiss fan, I believe, right? Yeah, I was a big Kiss, Kiss fan. Have you seen Kiss Meets the Phantom? Uh, absolutely. I remember <laughs> when it was on on TV. Yeah, awesomeness. So so what happened was I did these interviews, and I put the cassettes in a Nike shoebox in my basement. And I kept walking by it and walking by it. And then one day it dawned on me, why don't I try to find a publisher just to get these interviews out of there, uh, you know, out there. Um, some of these people had passed, you know, uh, such as Bill O'Coin, Kiss's manager, Gordon Hessler, the director, who's a, a pretty renowned guy. And uh, I found a publisher and put it together and put it out, and it's done pretty well. That's um, great. And, yeah. and if people want to get it, it's on Amazon. You can go on Amazon, look up me, Ron Albanese, or look up Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, uh, and you'll find my book, which is called Conversations with Phantoms, Interviews about Kiss Meets the Phantom neat. of the Park. Uh, neat. Hey, uh, this is a question. Uh, this is the literal, literally, and we've had a lot of very high-profile guests on this show, um, you know, leaders of government, yes. you know, scholars, academics, children's entertainers. Well, you know, this is the first time ever that uh, our producer, Alex Barnard, has ever written a question that he has asked me to pass on. So this is a question that he has written for you. I don't know yes, if it's sir. a good question or a bad question, but it's his question. He, could, he deserves credit or blame. 
What do you think of Kiss's albums where they followed trends, i.e. Dynasty and The Elder? Was it a stroke of genius or just a cash grab? Wow. Alex, excellent question. Uh, you win a new car. No, actually, you don't. But Maybe uh, he wins a Kiss book. You know, Dynasty was the first time. What, what he does a win book? a Kiss book. Right, he absolutely good. wins a Kiss book for that, Frank. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, Dynasty was the first time when in the neighborhood, all of a sudden, you found yourself defending Kiss. You know, playing two-hand touch or something, and, and, and kids were saying, Kiss sold out, and a lot of worse things. When I Was Made for Loving You was all over the radio in summer 79. And, uh, you know, I had uh, girls in the neighborhood telling me that the cars, the cars, blew away Kiss. So um, some of these records, I think Dynasty is awesome. If a little uh, uneven, uh, Ace, I think, steals the show. I think Dirty Living is an awesome production. And uh, some of the other ones down the line, uh, maybe... Um, 2000 Man. 2000 Man, another great one. which he's, Stones covered. Which, yeah, which he still does. Uh, there's some Dynasty rules, actually. Wow. Yeah, but uh, so some of those albums are a little shaky. Uh, mixed results, I think, Alex. Mixed right, results. Mixed results. Okay. Now, uh, but the book's doing well. People can get it on Amazon. Just search Ron yes. Albanese or uh, give me the title of the book again. It is called Conversations with Phantoms, oh. interviews about the TV movie Kiss Meets the Phantom Love of the it. Park. Love it. Okay. So now uh, I am a big li- I'm a big supporter of libraries. And yes. you are doing a residency not in at one of these swanky Atlantic City or Vegas casinos somewhere. Not yet. You are doing a residency in the Ocean County Library System starting on Monday, beginning with with Lavalette. Is that a fact? Lavalette. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Lavalette. Yes, yes. I, uh, you know, um, basically uh, a lot of these uh, library branches and I'm a big library guy, too. I always tell everyone I'm a closet librarian. You know, I have books all over my house. I love to read, Frank. And uh, if I didn't go into school teaching, I probably would be working in a library. Uh, So I go into many counties. And what we do is we set up a round of shows um, wherein I I go in and do my thing. And, yeah, uh, we did Lavalette. We've done a so bunch that's of Monday. Them. Monday is Lava well. We Lava. did it. We just did Lava. Oh, it was last Monday. Monday. Oh, okay. but, but let me tell you, uh, a Wednesday we did another batch of uh, three stops at the Jersey Shore and different libraries, ending up in Long Beach Island. And after that, I was in Barnegat Bay, uh, not because they threw me in there, uh, <laughs> because I went paddle boarding. Uh, but we'll be doing more uh, in August. I'll be returning to Long Beach Island, and uh, there's a lot of different stops as well happening. By the way, if people want to know where they can catch you, what, what's the best way for them to track your movements? The best way would probably be Facebook at this point. Uh, look up Ron Albanese, Children's and Family Entertainer. And you'll find me. And if you, you Google me, too, I'm um, pretty easy to You're find. You're not on Twitter, I notice. Is there a reason for that? Actually, I am on oh, you Twitter. Are. Yeah, yeah, I am on Twitter. But you know, Frank, I'm probably not as active. As of late, I've been going on there more. You weren't banned like Donald Trump or anything? No, no, I'm not shadow banned or, or whatever they call that stuff. No. Uh, see, my friend Kyle O'Brien, he lives in Lavalette. He would have loved to have seen you uh, out there. But uh, hopefully your next swing through through Ocean County. Now... Uh, you're going down to Florida. 
Correct, correct. Uh, what I'm doing now is I just wrapped up this this marathon week. I was in uh, Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, Jersey Shore, uh, here right now. And then I'm gonna how take, do you get booked in all these places? You know, you gotta you gotta pick up that phone. You you gotta email them, and you gotta have uh, a good product. I believe you know, and I think. Um, when I lay it out to people uh, and tell them what I do, if they take the time to look at it, I think at this point uh, it sells itself. Well, that's great. And so the show consists of you doing what? Obviously, you're, there's a musical component, but what else does it include exactly? Well, when I go in, you know, I love to work with children. So I think uh, the key thing is to kind of go in and be cool and kind of um, – you know, I guess disarm them and, and get them ready to have a good time. You know, I think more than anything, Frank, I sell fun. You know, uh, that's what I really like to do. I just like to put on a good time. I'm not an astronaut. You know, I'm not a fireman. And mm. those are awesome vocations. But I think I'm best at uh, just having a good time. And then how long is the Ron Albanese show? Can be various lengths. But the uh, library shows, for example, uh, that concert as it were, is about 45 minutes to an hour. Now, when you do a concert in a library, do you have to be very, very quiet and play very, very soft music? It's so funny you say that because uh, when I go in there, I tell them, you know, this is the only time all year that you can be loud in a library. (laughs) Otherwise, you have to use your... Remember going to the library in the 70s? They'd be, use your library voice. Yeah, so... Um, So you're you're doing a show on Long Island in August. Where on Long Island are you going to be? You know, uh, I'm going to be on Long Island, and I wanted to say that right. Not in Long Island, by the way, gentlemen. I'm going to be at Harbersfield's Library, which is... um, that away, <laughs> I have no idea where that is. Where, where is Harbersfield Library, uh, Matt? If you could help me here with the uh, Google machine, it's uh, it's on. Wait, that's the south. It's on the north. You but is it, it Suffolk or is it Nassau? Oh, that's Suffolk. You know that? uh, Suffolk. I believe okay, Suffolk. it's out there. I believe. Oh yeah, a little bit. It's a little bit out there. In the past, I've been farther. I've done West Hampton and all that. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I'll be out there. That's uh, August 11th, and I'm going to be putting that on the site too. Uh, I'll be doing this show we've been talking about at the library. They have a great auditorium there, and we usually pack it out with a couple hundred Neat. kids. All right, great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and anybody can go. It's free. Absolutely. That's that's really neat. All right. Um, if you want to call in, uh, Ron Albanese is here, 800-848-9222. So during the school year you teach, you do your teaching thing. What do you teach? I actually teach technology. Oh. And I do it with students uh, from pre-K all the way up to sixth grade. And then during the summer, you spend most of your time doing all these shows all over the country, literally. Yeah, it's like a duality. You know, I kind of hit the road uh, right after school wraps up. See you, everybody. And then I'm in my car, and then I'm on uh, tour, basically. Now, you've got long hair like a rock star. Yeah. Do you keep that during the school year as well? I do. Well, actually, no, this is a wig. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do, you know. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of a long hair, don't care kind of gotcha. thing. Gotcha. No, you know? I love it. I, th- I think it's, it fits your whole persona, no doubt about it. Now, when you're on the road, you go you're you're going between gigs. You're going from uh, Long Island to uh, Lavalette, wherever you you're ending up performing. What do you do in terms of food? I imagine a lot of times you're you're on the road. A lot of times you're rushing. You can't always sit down and have a delicious and nutritious meal. What do you end up doing in terms of food on the road? You know, for the longest time, Frank, uh, my number one food was really birthday cake. Because, you know, I'd be, they'd say, here, take a piece of birthday cake for the road. Now, I've seen it all with birthday cakes. I've been doing this 23 years. I've seen uh, scanning of photos come into vogue. 
uh, you know, on, on the, cake. the cake. Yeah, where uh-huh. little, you know, Susie can be on the cake or, or Johnny. Uh, I've seen the uh, post cake boss uh, with the kind of edible um, building material. What do you call that? Fond- fondant? You, you or got something? me. I don't know. Right? Uh, I remember cake ball. I mean, that was a big yeah, thing. Yeah, no. Well, we got to get was this everywhere. cake out there. We got to get to this place. And uh, <laughs> then I saw um, breakaway cakes, the cupcakes. So here you go. I'll just break you a piece of this cake that's really a cupcake, and here you go. I find cake far inferior, with the exception of ice cream cake, far inferior to pie, right? I find pie a much more Mm. delicious dessert than cake. And yet, I've been to a lot of birthdays, and every single one, there's never a birthday pie. No. Why is that the case? I think uh, the cake thing uh, comes in a variety of colors, whereas your pie uh, is usually a brown crust. But why can't you throw a little frosting on the pie? You cannot put Pikachu on a pie crust, Frank. (laughs) I suppose not. Um, All right. um, 800-848-9222. Ron Albanese was here. Is here. We were talking uh, at the top of the hour about uh, some of our fond memories of people that used to be on this station. Yes. And you were a fan of uh, of my friend Jay Diamond. I absolutely love Jay Diamond. And one of my, my favorite Jay Diamond memories, uh, besides going to see him in person at the Rio Diner in Woodbridge, was listening to him on Christmas Eve one year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no. On, on this very station, of course. And uh, he was he had guests in and he was uh, singing and it was just such a warm show. It, it stands out in my mind. And this is like in 1993. And of course, before that, uh, Frank, always I listen to Bob Grant. Mario, azendame, <laughs> tu sei proprio, svachim. And he is. And he is. I heard you mention something that Bob Grant used to say before. Get off my phone. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, uh, uh, Jay <laughs> is, in my, in my view, a uh, uh, maybe the greatest talent ever to speak into. Jay Diamond, let me tell you, every now and then he, he pops to mind, Frank, and I find myself looking on Facebook for him and stuff. Uh, so, so, Jay, if you're listening, I think you're an absolute uh, legendary talent in radio and I'd, I'd love to hear you again yeah I, I've tried I tried a couple of times to get Jay to come on the show with me and then I thought to myself let me not try too hard because if they hear how brilliant he is in overnight radio they're gonna <laughs> think well what do we have this Lamil Frank Morano <laughs> what do we need him for let's just hand the reins over to Jay Diamond right uh, you know so, uh, so care- that's that exactly your territory exactly, sir. Yes. so that's that <laughs> hey um so, um, uh, we're, we, you know, you have brought your guitar here. I ah, yes, I have. I have. The old gift box is here. This is not uh, just a prop. You're prepared to no, use this? <laughs> yeah, actually, I am very prepared to use this, sir, uh, I think. And uh, I used gift box as a colloquial, of course, Civil what, War term. What, what is gift box? What is that? They I used mean... to call them git boxes, I believe. Again, uh, this is where uh, Blaze would come in handy with okay. the Google. But, all right, all right. Right? They call them I think gift boxes. You're, so you're way overestimating Matt's Googling I... <laughs> abilities. But um, <laughs> that's uh, for sure. I love this. This is great. This is a pretty schnazzy-looking guitar. Is this the very same guitar that you perform shows with and everything? Absolutely. This is the one. This is uh, not one that's on loan to the Hard Rock Cafe or anything like that. This is the real McCoy and Spock. (laughs) It looks like the kind of guitar that Honky Tonk Man would would smash people's (laughs) heads. Heads with in the WWE. Wow, because he's the honky talk man. <laughs> I, 
Hey, um, so have who was his manager? Go quick. Uh, Jimmy Hart, the yes, mouse of the south. Come on, that's not a tr- difficult question. <laughs> no, please. All right, now, um, can can we get you to do something personalized for for us, Ron? What do you I, think? I think we can do that. As a matter of fact, let me go into my 1982 Rolling Stones folder. I couldn't find anything. Uh, here, here is actually my latest eight by ten. Oh, you. wonderful! Thank, Thank you. you. And um, look, you, you look like. Ten years younger in this eight by ten. All right, that now, Frank, I'm slightly photoshopped there, and uh, we didn't take that picture at four thirty in the morning. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Okay. okay, slightly photoshopped. Right. This is... I look great. I drink a lot of water. <laughs> all right, uh, I like this inscription, Frank. Thanks for all. Yeah. Ron. <laughs> this is this is very nice. Thanks well, for yeah, all. All right, okay. I don't work for Hallmark, sir. All right. I, uh... what, what is what is Alex going to get if he asks for an autograph picture? Will he be thanks for most or maybe every? <laughs> thanks for a majority of Ron Albanese. <laughs> all right, so, uh, so entertain this, Ron. You know. You all right, so you know what? I'd like to do a, a snippet of one of my children's songs first. If we oh, could do sure. That. Yeah, absolutely. Do you Why know not? the song Mule Skinner Blues? Uh, it's it's not on my iPod. I it's say. not in your radar. No. Uh, and Anybody in the booth? No. But I'll tell you, there's Mule Skinner Blues has kind of a yodel to it back in the day. And then in the 70s, there was a famous Levi's commercial uh, that was based on that. And it was actually a landmark commercial. It's called Laughing Levi's, if you want to look it up out there. And um, it did a stop motion kind of thing, but it, it had a lot of sounds in it in the song. So this song kind of has sounds in it, too. Uh, so I kind of do this song. It's called A Lot of Energy. Uh, yeah, yeah. So let's uh, give it a shot here, and I'll, I'll, I'll see you on the other side of, of Midnight, of course. That's right. So won't you come along and join along with me? Hey, yeah, woo-hoo-hoo, a-gobble-gobble, hey, ooh-ma-mow-mow-mow, mow. na 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 ooh-ma-mow-mow, hey, yeah, na-na-na-na-na, and you can jump around. I'm supposed to go in circle, too. Well done. Now, you know, as I said, I I do have something a little more uh, personalized, and I think it's – and maybe it'll hit home more than my inscription. Well, Well, these thanks for all is very – it does – it's very heartwarming. I'm writing that again. You you put a lot of effort, I could tell, and a lot of thought into thanks for all. Um, What were you saying, Alex? Oh, you were counting off. One, two, three, and – They have it all, WABC. It's owned by John Katz of Mutt TVs. My favorite show is definitely the Overnight Star and a Week Daily. If you haven't heard it 
Daytona affiliates or 770 on your AM digits. Tune in, listen. I got a little message for you. I'm gonna tell you now. Chorus, everybody. Frank's on the radio. M O R A N O. Frank's on the radio. The other side of midnight is all right. It's out of sight. The other side of midnight. The other side of midnight. We've got to get you in the, uh, if you record that, we'll get you in our closing theme song rotation. Ooh, good idea. That, you, that, good idea. That, that's outstanding. That's really, really nice. Thank you. Oh, no problem. That's it very is, nice. It's fun to do. Uh, fun so to do. what are you doing this weekend? Uh, I'm actually taking a little break uh, today and tomorrow. I'm going to see my Angela Marie, and then uh, I'm going to hit the road. That's your longtime companion? My, uh, yeah, my uh, gal, Angela Hey, Angela, how you doing? You're sleeping, so you can't hear this right now. Uh, she's a school teacher, so as oh, well. Nice. So very she'll nice. be doing uh, summer school in a couple hours there. So, But, yeah, I'm going to take a little break, and then I'm hitting the road to Florida. I'll be at uh, Ju- uh, July uh, 19th. I'll be in Cocoa Beach. Cocoa Beach Library I'll be appearing at at 1 p.m. At 3 p.m. I'll be at Melbourne Beach or Melbourne Beach. I think it's Melbourne, I think they say. I, I, I don't know. You don't know. Yeah, I, I know. Uh, and uh, and then the next day I'll be at Cape Canaveral Library. Oh, cool. Uh, it's right. So you're doing near... the whole Space Coast. Thing. I love the Space Coast. And I have a trivia question. I'm for ready. You. OK. All right. Let's I, see I, now, because I wanted to ask you. I said, Frank's going to get this. So I, let's I, see. Don't be so sure. No pressure. Uh, when I don't have the answers, I'm not great with trivia. But, all right, but you're good with TV, I think. So Cocoa Beach was the setting of what 60s sitcom? Well, now, so I want to. <laughs> It, are we talking about where it was filmed or um, where the setting was? I would not say it was filmed there, sir. Was it Gilligan's Island? No! no. Uh, what is it? Um, I Dream of Jeannie? Correct! All right. Ladies okay. and gentlemen, Thank he you. wins a suitcase full of diamonds. I'll take the Cuban yes. Sarconi. They, you know what they did? They said it was Cocoa Beach, uh, and I think they filmed... They went there and did like one B-roll thing where they filmed maybe the sign, Welcome to Cocoa Beach or something. Gotcha. Uh, but that was pretty much it. And then actually, oh, Frank, the day before, I'll be in Orlando hanging around uh, Radio Margaritaville. Oh, neat. Uh, yeah. Um, we have be... a lot of listeners in Florida, actually. I was going to say, I'm actually aware of that. Um, and I wanted to mention, I'll be hanging out at the Radio Margaritaville uh, station building uh, in Orlando. It's a nice little uh, promenade area. I'll be hanging around with some of the DJs there. And uh, if you come by uh, with your kids, say hi. I'll probably have my guitar with me and, and sing them a song. Uh, now, if people want to f- learn more about Ron, uh, they can go to his website, ronalbanese.com. It's ronalbanese.com. Uh, you can also find him on uh, on Facebook, uh, polka.ron, or just search Ron Albanese, and uh, your whole world opens up. Uh, well, that's cool. Thank you. Yeah, you, yeah. You, uh, so we're going to give people, speaking of trivia, an opportunity to win $1,000 if they are the seventh caller to 800-848-9222. And if they can then answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds, we'll give them an opportunity to win $1,000. But as we go to break, Ron, do you, yes. you want to play us out with something? Absolutely, I do. Uh, this is a little bit of one of my, uh, you know what? Where's the boys? Let's sing. Should we do some kiss? Oh, wonderful. <laughs> 
All right, let's take it out. We're going out right We're now. Going out right, right. now. You show us everything you got. You keep on dancing and the room gets hot. You drive us wild, we'll drive you crazy. You keep on shouting, you keep on shouting. Everyone, I wanna rock it. Check him out, ronalbanese.com, the $1,000 minute straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Um, time now for us to try and give away $1,000, if you can believe that. Uh, seventh caller to 800-848-9222 will be the contestant for this morning's edition of... The Other Side of Midnight presents... It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Morano. Thank you very much, Chris Libertini. Joe is in Washington Heights. Hello there, Joe. Hello, Frank. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. Thanks for for listening. Thanks for calling in. Quite welcome. All right. Now, uh, Joe, are you familiar with this game? Yes, I am. All right, great. So let's get started if you're ready. Okay, I shall do my best. Okay. What is the first day of the traditional work week? Monday. Who was Romeo's girlfriend in the Shakespearean tragedy? Juliet. What type of animal is Disney mascot Mickey? Mouse. What was the name of the American space flight that first landed on the moon? Apollo 11. What part of the world is Joe Biden currently visiting? Oh, boy. Um, I want to say it's... You want continent? Um, Whatever. We'll take whatever. You want to give a country? You want to give a region? We'll take whatever. Oh, boy. I hope it's Israel. Good. We'll take it. Who was the judge in the O.J. Simpson murder trial? Ito. Um, what's the first name of Barry Bond's father? Bobby. Who wrote the children's book, Alice in Wonderland? 
Chicago. Uh, very good. We are out of time, but uh, you have uh, you answered eight questions correctly, which I believe entitles him to a hundred dollars, right? Yeah. So you won a hundred dollars, Joe. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. I got a little tripped up on Israel. Yeah. But, hey. Uh... Hey. Well, hey, you did well though. You we, there was nothing we could throw at you that that threw you. I like that you have a lot of diversity of knowledge. All right. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on hold, give Kevin, uh, excuse me, give Kenneth your information and he will, um, get, uh, he will get that hundred dollars out to you. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Frank. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling in. Hope you'll do it again regularly. All right. Hang on. All right. Uh, this is the other side of a minute. You want to comment on anything else we've, we've covered. You're welcome to do so. 800-848-9222. So against my against what I said that I was going to do 24 hours ago, I did have some macaroni and cheese yesterday for National Macaroni and Cheese Day. And I have to say, I don't regret it at all. Uh, I So what happened was I ended up having dinner just because I was looking for a restaurant close to the radio station. I ended up having dinner at Smith & Walensky. And by the way, can we talk about that? Uh, I mean, great restaurant, great food, great service. But you want to talk about overpriced? I ordered the scallops. They give you four scallops. Now, they're good scallops. Don't get me wrong. Four scallops, $46. $46 for four scallops. What, what, what did somebody go to space to grab these scallops? How can a, how can I mean, look, I know inflation's a thing. I know it's an expensive restaurant. I know you got to pay the rent in uh, New York City. $46 for four scallops? I mean, excuse me. I mean, thank goodness we ordered sides. Otherwise, um, otherwise, you know, you need a second meal after these $46 scallops. And again, I can't stress enough, uh, very well prepared, but $46. So I saw they have on the menu macaroni and cheese as a side. And I said, all right. I feel like this is meant to be. I was talking about it this morning. And you know who um, you know who ruined me is that woman from the village who called in all about the pasta that she uses in making – she talked about rat, ratatouille and how she makes macaroni and cheese with that. She put me in such a macaroni and cheese mood that I had to order it. And so it was quite good. I was glad that I ordered it at the time. I'm sure the next time that I weigh myself, I will then regret it. But it was good. It was it was a you know a, a nice sumptuous meal. This is uh, pizza day on the other side of midnight. But we were exploring yesterday about what to do with uh, Kenneth's nutritional needs, Matt Blaze's nutritional needs, and uh, Lombo. I got off to a late start today. I got in a little bit later than usual because I was so busy eating macaroni and cheese at uh, Smith and Walensky. And then um, we were wondering what to do, right? So ultimately, we stuck with pizza because I feel like the rest of the staff here beyond Matt and Kenneth have sort of become pizza dependent. And um, we got a gluten-free pizza for, for Matt, and then we just we got some chicken strips from a pizzeria for Kenneth. Uh, so, Matt, what, did you end up availing yourself of the gluten-free right. pizzeria? I, I did eat it, but, I mean, it's supposed to be carb-free. I don't know if it's got the same thing, gluten-free, carb-free. No, but as long as you don't have the gluten, though. you're okay. It was good, though. If it just Honestly, it tasted like a regular flat pizza, like uh-huh. thin crust. I see. So I, I liked it. All right. And Kenneth had the uh, chicken strips, and he uh, said right. they were very good. Very good. Wow. Very good, he said. 
Um, all right, eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Joe is in Ron Kunkama. Hello, Joe. Hey, Frank. I was calling to wish you a happy weekend. Uh, last night we haven't gotten rain on Long Island, man, in like over three weeks. And last night we got a thunder cell that came through, and a tornado touched down three blocks from my house. It was the wildest scene that I've ever seen in years. It You're got kidding. silent out. And it got the sky got really dark, and it just missed all block by about I don't know about five to six houses. I'm glad you guys were okay. No damage to your property at all. No, it was a major. It was like a there's a field between the Long Island Expressway, so it went through there. wasn't major damage, but the rain and the hail, Frank, quarter size hail, it damaged my tomato plants. It was. It was pretty wild, but we needed the rain. Hey, have a great weekend, and a great weekend to everybody out there. You too, Joe. Thank you. If you're just waking up, if you're just tuning in, the the the, the dilemma that we're all trying to wrestle with is um, I have sl- scheduled my whole day around being here for a 7 a.m. meeting, and now there's no 7 a.m. meeting. So what does that then do to my 9 a.m. meeting? I had it all figured out. I had the emails that I was going to send. I had the articles that I was going to read. I had the place where I was going to nap. And I I had it all figured out. And I was going to then meet my friend at 9 o'clock. Quick drink. Done. But now that I am free to go home at 5.30, I'm wondering, what does it mean? I got to stick around for three and a half hours? I don't know about that. But then, so I I just got an email here from Bernard Getz, uh, who, again, you know, the people that listen to this show, we got Bernie Getz listening. We got Jay Diamond listening. Curtis, of course, has, he he not only listens, but he's transcribing every word. Hey, still not. But, um, you know, Bernie says, and this is good advice, and I've invited Bernie on the show anytime that he wants, but uh, Bernie says, be considerate of people's time. If you want to cancel your 9 a.m. meeting, send the person an email now um, for when they get it. For when they get it, then when they wake up, and almost certainly it won't be a problem. Ah, I still feel bad because this person has been trying to pin me down for a while. And then I figure, okay, all right, this is the day that I have to stay late. Make, let me, I'm just going to soldier on. I'll take a nap. I'll take a nap, and that'll be that. I'll park, and that'll be that. Okay? It is what it is. All right, we're going to do 15 seconds of fame in uh, just a couple of minutes. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. If you want to participate in uh, interacting with me via social media, you can do so on Twitter, at Frank Morano. That's Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O. Or... You can uh, find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash moranofan. That's facebook.com slash moranofan. We're also on Instagram as well at uh, moranovision. But for now, we have one, two, three, four, five, six open lines. So you can go ahead and uh, call in if you want to be heard for 15 seconds. 1-800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Frank Morano. 
for this delightful anthem to our our program. Thank you very, very much. Hey, uh, if you are celebrating a birthday today, July 15th, you are also celebrating with actor Patrick Wayne, who was 83, the son of John Wayne. I've actually met uh, Patrick Wayne, great guy, and uh, he was in the movie The Searchers with his father, uh, but he was also in Young Guns and Big Jake. A really a, a nice guy and a, a big old tough guy. Not like his dad, who, of course, was incredibly uh, iconic in all the roles that he played. But uh, uh, So happy 83rd birthday to Patrick Wayne. Uh, also, uh, singer Linda Ronstadt is uh, celebrating her 76th birthday. And um, Jesse Ventura, I did not know this. Jesse Ventura, 71 years old today. I got to tell you, Jesse Ventura is one of my heroes. Jesse Ventura, the body, is, he does not look 71. And um, uh, he, I I wouldn't say we're friends because we've never really socialized much, but we're certainly friendly. And we've hung out a couple times and we have a very good rapport on the radio, but he's somebody that I find just incredibly Interesting. And now he's launched a Substack, and he's got a podcast with his son. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying I agree with him on everything, but certainly has is really an impressive guy and a wonderful guy. And what's so funny, one of the things that I always think about is after Jesse Ventura, who I became a fan of as a wrestler, but then I followed him when he became a mayor. I followed him when he became a commentator. And... Um, he then gets elected governor in 1998. And in 1998, he announces to the world that he no longer wants to be known as Jesse the Body Ventura. Instead, he decides that he wants to be known as Jesse the Mind Ventura. Jesse the Mind Ventura. Okay. So Rush Limbaugh, I got to tell you, Rush Limbaugh had a way with wit that he could make me laugh for literally hours. I mean, I think it says a a lot about the way that Rush used wit that I still think of the same things that he said years later, and it still makes me laugh. And look, he was not a supporter of Jesse Ventura politically. I I, I was and am. But, um, ah, ah, yes, got this fly has been driving me crazy, and I got him. He's been flying all over the studio, and I finally got him. And unfortunately, I killed him on my left hand. So I had a fly carcass on my left forefinger, my left index finger, for a couple of seconds, which was kind of gross. But I flicked him off to the floor. So now he's somebody else's problem. I don't see him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I got him. So anyway, Rush would say of (laughs) Jesse Ventura, he would call him... Jesse, the mind is a terrible thing to waste, Ventura. <laughs> I just found it so funny. And again, he's making fun of somebody that I like, but, you know, it is what it is. Great all-time announcer, by the way. Oh, tremendous. Jesse the uh, the uh, duo of he and Gorilla Monsoon. Hey, Monsoon, a move like that will bring you right out of retirement. <laughs> 
Uh, also, it's Forrest Whitaker's birthday today. Look, I don't like to say anything bad about anybody. And look, he's an accomplished guy, Academy Award winning actor, Emmy Award winning producer. I have to tell you, I, I've seen a lot of films that Forrest Whitaker has been in or produced. Last King of Scotland, he's good in that. Um, he was in the uh, sequel to The Hustler, I think, The Color of Money. He's good in that. I find him to be maybe the most overrated actor on the planet. I, I feel like Forrest Whitaker is one of these guys. And again, I hate to say this on his birthday. And the fact that he's accomplished so much at only 61 is pretty impressive. But I find him to be one of these guys. Every film is just him doing a funny voice. A funny voice or a weird accent. I don't get it. I, I don't get it at all. And I'm a Twilight Zone fan, and there was a remake of the Twilight. There have been several remakes of the Twilight Zone. There was the 1980s version, which was very good. And then there was the late 90s version, which was pretty good. And he was the moderator, like the Rod Serling part of it. And all I'm thinking of is, oh, my goodness, is how far we've fallen from Rod Serling. Rod Serling actually used to write all the episodes, and... He, you know, Forrest Whitaker had nothing to do with the episodes. The I just finished watching um, maybe a couple of months ago the the m- most recent incarnation of the Twilight Zone, and they had as the moderator of that show Jordan Peele, um, and I thought he was good. I liked it because he was writing the episodes, unlike Forrest Whitaker. So happy birthday, uh, Forrest Whitaker! Um, I, I think you're overrated, but maybe some other people don't. All right. Um, without further ado, let us give people an opportunity to be heard for 15 seconds at 800-848-9222. It is time for... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Faith. John in Staten Island. I'd like to send a very happy birthday to my beautiful daughter, Heather DeFeedy. Have a great day. I love you. Oh, that's nice. Happy birthday. Troy on Long Island. So the kidney, type of O-negative blood, uh, 250 pounds. So you give it an O-negative kidney. Oh, yeah, check out my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Wall Street Growth. Make some money. It'll be fun. 800-848-9222. Amir in Boston. Yeah, Frank, two quick things. My friend wants to bet me $500 that uh, Trump's going to rush. Should I take the bet? And two, you tell me Jay Donnie to, uh, to have once a week at the station? I would love to have Jay. Jay's welcome every day if he wants to come in. Um, I think Trump is going to run again. Um, bet accordingly. That's my take. I think he is going to run. Frankie and Glendale. Hey, Frank, listen, I thought I lost my credit card, too. Uh, look in your wallet again. It, it, it was stuck between another credit card, and I was going nuts. But check your wallet, man. Thank you. Nick in Syracuse. The Syracuse National Classic Car Shows this weekend. It takes up the entire footprint of the New York State Fairgrounds if you're looking for a little trip and a lot of fun. Mike in the Poconos. Hey, good morning, Frank. Always good show. Um, you know, I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, last time I spoke, uh, when you go on a day trip with your kids, with, with uh, Carmine and your wife, excuse me, uh, go to Jordan's Lobster Farm in Island Park. Bernie's been there many times, and Sidley also. He's, Thank he's you. Everywhere. Vince on Long Island. Hey, congestion pricing is just another tax on the middle class and small business. 
elect Lee Zeldin to stop congestion pricing. Uh, Mike in New Jersey. Good morning, Frank. Frank, no disrespect intended, but AOC can be my breakfast taco any morning, <laughs> as long as she doesn't say too much. Victor in Manhattan. Uh, for those intrigued by paradoxes, if you believe God is omnipotent, then he should be able to create an object so heavy that he couldn't even lift it. Neil on Staten Island. Coming to us here near you, it's Frank the Fly Hunter. Watch Frankie grab him with his left hand and flick him. Ari in Rockland County. Hey, the Janine Machine by Richard Blasberg and Twisted Justice at CNN.com. Janine Machine by Richard Blasberg and Twisted Justice at CNN.com. An innocent New York City cop was at the prison by Janine Pirro. You forgot to mention Janine is a criminal and a fraud. 800-848-9222. Jim is in Brooklyn. Hey, thank you very, very much to John Katsimatidis for this wonderful station. Bernie and Sid, you, Curtis. I, I run my day. I never miss a minute. I've been with you from day one, minute one. I love, love it. Thank you. Uh, and finally, Greg in Pennsylvania. Susan Moron, Susan Moron, Susan Moron. I'm glad we were able to finish on that note. Hey, um, it looks like I probably am going to stick around for my 9 a.m. meeting. I'm leaning towards having our meeting at uh, Billy Marks West, which is a, a, a kind of a hole-in-the-wall dive bar where Alex Barnard and I had a drink a couple of weeks ago. It's cash only. But I'm leaning towards going there because where else can you get a drink at 9 a.m., right? If you know of a place, email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll let you know how this barbecue turns out. Frank Morano, good day.